Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is the perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through.
Now I see why it's coming out. Oh, my gosh. The first uh, couple minutes, uh, they're not hearing anything. I'm still starting to hear that. But thank you, folks, for coming to Bard's Logic uh, Political Talk, uh, part of the conservative conversation. And tonight uh, we're going to have uh, live the we're going to have live the VP debate, which I believe, uh, and many others probably, that this is probably the most consequential debate, uh, maybe in generations. And I start. I'm going to start off with a little uh, thing I wrote. I rarely do this on the in the description of the show here on Walk Talk Radio, but I did this time. And again, uh, sorry for that uh, brief pause afterwards. I had uh, a little technical difficulty here, and hopefully we don't have any more of those throughout the show. But definitely still stay with our pre-debate show, uh, which will give us a lot of time prior to the debate, uh, but we will before. So anyway, I have this as the the vice presidential candidates uh, that you are going to hear on this episode and tonight may be closer to becoming the president than any other vice president in generations. Now, the difference between what a Pence and a Harris administration uh, cannot be any more stark. Uh, the Democrats, and, and what they've shown along with their media, uh, their propaganda our media, have proven that they choose fear over bravery. Uh, when President Trump stated we should not allow us to be dominant by the Wuhan coronavirus, the Democrats and their sycophants in the media reacted, of course, with disdain. Uh, President Trump offers America optimism over pessimism, bravery over cowardice, uh, America's great days ahead of us. The Democrats offer doom, fear, and America's decline. Uh, now, with the election only weeks away, uh, we got to ask ourselves, as Americans, will the American people allow the Democrats with their hatred of President Trump and law-abiding citizens to be awarded with more power? Uh, will the American people reward the Democrats with seats in our government when they believe we are a racist nation? Uh, will we allow the Democrats and the media to fundamentally transform America by making us uh, – and here I'm, I'm just reading – I apologize. Uh, just I get tweets and I get messages all the time uh, while I'm doing the show, and I want to answer these uh, because it was in regards to a little technical difficulty uh, here. And so there we go. Just tell them that uh, the is a, you know the dev, it's it's over. The difficulties uh, are over. But anyway, I got thrown off there. I apologize. So basically, we're not. Get, we, how can we allow them through all the hate that they put out to to, to attain victory, and this is what really is at stake for America and her people. Uh, and so what a victory for the Democrats, and also, remember, it's a victory for the media. And this is a media that has fomented hate, not only for our president, but I even say for America itself. And we cannot allow them to have the power uh, to just lie to us inconsequentially, of course, now to we, the American people. And, of course, there's consequences that – the Democrats and the media must suffer uh, for lying and hating. It must be, of course, a political uh, defeat on November. And so the republic needs us, they need you. Uh, so and part of that is definitely listen to this debate, because as I stated earlier, this is probably the most consequential uh, vice president debate I, I know in my lifetime, maybe even for generations. And we'll be talking about that, of course, during the commentary and analysis portion of the show. 
uh, tonight. So we'll have, you know, again, this is the pre-show, uh, about five minutes before the debate, uh, you know, you'll hear a little bit of uh, silence while I get things geared up. Or maybe I'll even play, uh, you know, just a music clip or something of that nature uh, to get us uh, play. Maybe we'll uh, play the We Are Soldiers, you know, the, in, in its entirety. That's the opening uh, song that you, that you hear here uh, before Hear Here. Uh, that's H-C-A-R and then H-E-R-E, of course. Uh, but anyway, so we'll do our commentary and discussion. We'll have about an hour after the debate for that. And I think this is going to be one of the presidential, vice presidential debate that is going to be one of the most watched uh, vice presidential debates ever. And, and again, it's for good reason. We have where one of these people, whether it's Biden or whether it's Harris, I'm sorry, whether it's Harris or whether it is Pence, I think that maybe not, not this is more if, if Biden gets elected than Trump. I, I think it's going to be where within a year, and I've said this many times in the show, uh, within a year, by, you know, Biden will drop out for whatever health reasons for and then Kamala Harris. And do we really want Kamala Harris to be uh, the president? And one of the things we also – I mean, just look at the compare contrast, especially with the recent – you know, and, and think about it. Just from last week's show, uh, President Trump has been diagnosed with COVID, went to Walter Reed, and, and we've seen where, you know, he had all the supporters outside Walter Reed. And, of course, you had your media calling it a circus and, thing, you know, things of that nature. And, of course, because, you know, oh, my gosh, you can't uh, you know, support Trump. They even said, oh, well, hospitals are supposed to be quiet zones. And how come these people aren't abiding by that? But the same people sitting there for hypocrisy is, you know, well, these hospitals are supposed to be quiet zones. No one seemed to have the, you know, a problem when, remember, those officers were, were shot and you had BLM members outside of the hospital chanting literally for them to die and trying to block traffic. Whereas with the, the people who are supporting Trump, we're not doing that. And so now, that was just this past weekend. I mean, look how much can happen in a week. And so now Trump's, you know, back in the Oval Office. He, you know, he's been on some treatment, of course. Hate is abound. And, and, and that's, I think, a big thing I want people to take away uh, from tonight is that, you know, okay. Sorry about that. More people messaging. Uh, that, that, I need a, uh, I need a, oh, a, a programmer, not a programmer, a producer. <laughs> That's what I need here. I need a producer to answer all my messages uh, while I'm doing the show. Because <laughs> I got to do all the multitasking um, uh, for that. But anyway, is. But yeah, again, we'll talk more about you know how important it is because uh, the next person, especially if it's you know, if Harris were to get in, and, and uh, how can we reward them? Uh, with, with I said earlier, with, with hate and you know the lies that they've been telling. And again, look what else has been coming up the, the, this week. When we have you know more evidence that the uh, the Clinton administration was the ones actually working uh, with the Biden, I mean with the the Russians to overtake the, you know, I mean, to influence the election, to try to, uh, you know, basically, again, spy on Trump, cause a, cause a 
division. Also, you know, because now you get all these people thinking, oh, you know, Trump. Remember, you know, Trump was a Russian agent. Russians, you know, working for the Russians and and things of that nature. But of course, all the while making a distraction against her email scandal. Uh, so there's, you know, certainly a lot happened in the last week, and we only do, as I stated, we only have a few more weeks left uh, to this. And I, I, I can't believe it. It's, it's, it's less than a month. It's less than a month before the election. And I, you know, I'm glad I'm going to be off that week. I think I'm going to uh, need it. But you know, we only got about 10 more minutes or so before I have, you know, going to set things up to, to do the debate live now. Uh, the way it's going to be is it's it's going to be you know, played from my living room, and so you might hear me uh, making some comments in the background. I'll I'll try not to be as loud as the recording. Now this is going to be different because this is live. Uh, the recording of what I did for you know, the presidential debate, but I can't make any promises. Uh, and you may even hear some of my my guests that are over uh, to uh, you know watch the debate. But no, that's the the part of watching and listening to something live. Uh, but I thought it'd be interesting again to have a part of the the archive show. Uh, you know, though we had a technical difficulty that you know got us started a little bit uh, beginning of this episode. But we'll uh, we'll work through it as we do all. That's you know the nature of you know organic uh, you know podcasts, right? And so you know, so listen to the debate, take notes. Uh, I'll certainly be doing that. We'll you know make a commentary and you know our analysis you know of the debate. I've got a uh, inkling that this debate is probably going to be uh, less interruptions. For one, it's just not Pence's forte. It's just not something Pence does. I think it's going to be very calm. I think I think we're going to see a, a, a huge contrast, not only in, in what their view of America is, if, if, if they even get there. And I'll be honest, I don't quite know who the moderator is. I don't even hear really hear a lot of talk about it. Um, Okay, I just thought I heard some uh, type of noise there. Um, but well, I don't even know the moderators. Now, of course, one thing I want people to do, speaking of mod- moderators, and, and I know it sounds like I'm going all over the place, is you know, that moderator for the next presidential debate, something's got to happen because if, you want to talk about a conflict of interest. And that, that's probably something we could talk about on the next show. But, of course, by that point, uh, that debate, if it still happens because of the COVID, uh, that might be something that, you know, may not happen. They may postpone it. We'll have to see. I mean, these last three weeks, I, I think, are going to be so chaotic. It's going to be it's going to be unbelievable. I don't, I don't know how we're going to be able to predict anything. Uh, like like the polls. You know, like they said, the polls are. Oh, and now Biden is up 60 percent. I don't know if I uh, particularly believe that. Uh, but you know, through my understanding, even when they took the you know, the amounts of like 40-something percent of the people polled were Democrats and like 36 or something like that were uh, Republicans. I think it was like a 30 or 42 to 36 percent. I guess the rest were uh, were independents or something of that nature. You know, but we only got, you know, again, a little bit of time uh, before then. Yeah, sorry about the uh, difficulties. For some reason, I must have had, uh, full disclosure, must have had my mic uh, muted. <laughs> so that's when the, the music ended. Then I think I was taking a drink or something like that, and I didn't want to have people listen to me gulping down water. <laughs> so I think I muted it. Uh, so I apologize uh, for that. And so that's going to be how we're going to we're going to have uh, the debate. Uh, we'll have it live again. You'll probably hear some, some of us in the background. I hope you guys have a lot of folks out there 
uh, looking forward to hearing your commentary, uh, your analysis. Uh, so stay on the line and listen to the debate, or you know the the, the lines will be open. Uh, but remember, uh, I'm trying to think of when, because uh, we only have an hour and 42 minutes. So by the time the debate ends, you will be unable to call to the show. So don't wait. If you want to call to the show, uh, you don't want to wait until after the debate. Because if you wait till after the debate, which I'm going to remind folks, is that we may be in uh, Bard's Logic After Dark, which is the third hour, which is going to be when we're going to do our commentary analysis. So if you want to chime in and give us your take on, on the debate, yeah, definitely don't wait until right after the debate to call. You'll want to do that uh, prior, you know, prior to that, you know, if you want to just listen to it on your young TVs or radios and then call in to chime in. So, I'll, again, again, I won't wait till the last minute because you may not uh, be able to do that. And, you know, I don't want to just blow V8 for, for an hour given my analysis, which I'm sure with all the notes I'll probably be taking, much as I did with the, the presidential debate. You know, I really don't want to have to just spend a, an hour just doing that. That's not what, you know, I would like. It's what I'm sure the audience would like just to hear me uh, blow V8 for the next hour uh, and just give my, you know, opinion and my analysis of it. Uh, so certainly, as, as, it always is. Just you know, you push the one on your number dial, um, and we'll you know, if, you know get you into the show. Um, and so, hopefully, we'll uh, we'll go from there. So again, we got about uh, five minutes. If anyone would like to uh, chime in uh, pre, uh, we did have some other folks, and they they did hang up due to the uh, technical difficulties. I thought we'd uh, have them back in. Uh, that's I have reached out to them, but it hasn't. Uh, call back in, but we only got a little bit before the, the live debate starts, and so we'll just have to, you know, get all the the rest of the commentaries from there uh, when I got that cleaned up. Now again, and this is going to be the only uh, vice presidential debate. I, I have a feeling that after tonight, uh, there's going to be some people who are going to wish that more of the debates uh, are going to be. Uh, you know, to wish more of the debates could have been the vice president because I think it's going to be different. I think the the other two presidential debates are going to be different uh, than you know the first one. And and I just found out because remember what I said the last show. I, I didn't. I wasn't quite sure who was the person who was you know his coach, right? Trump's uh, coach. And I found out recently uh, that it was. Uh, Chris Christie, which now that I hear that, now I wonder, now I don't question the approach. Now we only got about five minutes before we get to key things in uh, for the the live debate, but we do have uh, Joseph wanting to chime in before the, the debate uh, for his pre comments. But thank you very much uh, for coming. Yeah, sorry about that earlier when you guys got you know the the, the silence. I must have been again was taking a drink of water and I, I, I muted my mic. And until I started getting messages that there wasn't any audio, uh, I was talking. I was probably talking for a good, you know, a good couple of minutes at least or so uh, before realizing that. So unfortunately, that was an amateur mistake that I apologize for. Uh, but anyway, go ahead. I will take up the, your time. We only got a little bit before. So go ahead. Uh, no, that's okay. That was the Biden Harris team. They just didn't want you to speak, Robert. You know how there it goes. You go. That's what it is. <laughs> it, it was a plot. They put a divider Dr. between. Dr. Kohlberg was not here with the defenses, so you were left defenseless. That's why we need Dr. Tolberg. But 
Uh, I'm not going to be able to stay on the show really long because uh, I'm uh, I'm at a uh, I'm at a viewing party uh, and I'm going to have a meal shortly. Um, but I just wanted to give my uh, opine, uh, and then I'll chime in next week because I'm sure we'll have a lot of substance to talk about. Honestly, I think that the tempo is going to be completely different. I think that uh, Mike Pence, he is the prevailer in chief. And the fact that he has one of the coolest temperance, uh, temperance I've ever seen of any uh, politician. He's, uh, uh, he has a lot of accolades. He was a very, very infamous governor of Indiana. And uh, he was a very influential senator. And, you know, I believe that Trump picked him because of his temperament, uh, because he has the ability to remain cool and calm under the most stressful situations. And in my opinion, that's Trump's uh, secret weapon. And so I think it's going to be polar opposite of what we saw with Trump uh, in the regards of uh, I I think Harris is the one that's going to be with the short fuse. And uh, Harris is going to try to do everything to push the buttons of Mike Pence without realizing that when Tim Kaine tried that in 2016, uh, it didn't bode well for Tim Kaine either. So she's going to try, and his cool and calmness is really going to throw her off. Uh, But that's a a great thing because the American people are really going to see the difference between uh, the current vice president we have and why he's a great vice president and why – the Trump-Pence ticket needs to be reelected in 2020 uh, in November and why the – well, I don't call it the Biden-Harris because in reality we, know, we all know it's the Harris-Biden ticket, why the Harris-Biden ticket cannot and should not be reelected. And with that, unfortunately, I can't stay for the rest of the show, but I promise to be back next week for the full three-hour segment uh, out of respect for the other people at this viewing party. Uh, Robert, stay safe, and trust me, we'll have a lot to talk about next week. Always a pleasure. Oh, I'm sure we will. And, yeah, I mean, and what I think is going to really need to shine tonight uh, for either candidate is going to be how presidential they can be and that the people can trust that if something were to happen with either Trump or Biden, and I think there's more likelihood of this happening with Biden than Trump, uh, is who's going to be the person who can take the reins of being the president of the United States? Uh, and remember, as you, as you pointed out, the only one on that stage between those two that has executive experience, and that is Pence as the former governor of Indiana. And so he, so he definitely has more qualifications in that matter as being as, you know, part of an executive to take over the reins of being the president than Harris would. And then also, remember how, I mean, do we really want a president to be a person who thinks that the nation that they're supposed to be the leader of is is systemically racist? You know, that they think that we're, you know, I mean, look at that 24-minute long uh, speech from uh, the show Obama. You know, and they're still trying to push it. I mean, how can we let somebody who believes that about America be the leader? That just doesn't uh, that just doesn't make sense to me. That people would want to vote for that. And again, as I said earlier in the show, 
is that this is what they've got to offer. I mean, you have President Trump and, and Pence who, you know, he's offering optimism over peptimism, bravery over cowardice. I mean, just the way he had a speech with about COVID that totally made the liberals flip their lid. How dare he think that we shouldn't be afraid of COVID? How, you know, they want us afraid. So that's what the Democrats have to offer, doom, fear, and America's decline. That's what they have to offer. That's what they have for the American people. And that's really our choice. I mean, they've made it plain. They've made it clear. The difference between what each one has to offer is stark. And and how do we – just like I couldn't imagine Hillary Clinton being the most, in my opinion, corrupt politician to ever run for president to be rewarded with the presidency, I don't see how the American people can award not only – you know the presidency to people who think it's a, a racist or a racist nation, but also for all the hate and all the lies. And, and let's put it how it is: a, a, a win for the Democrats is also a win for the media, who have been you know promulgating all this hate and all this fear. Are we going? I mean, if they win, they will show it will show them. I should say that those. Fear and hate tactics work, and the question is, is the American people going to allow that? Are they going to allow that to happen? So I'm going to go ahead and get ready and get geared up uh, for us to do uh, live to the debate. So at this, we're going to hear the full version of We Are Soldiers. It's time to our boots on This is a perfect day to die Wipe the blood out of our eyes In this life there's no surrender And there's nothing left for us to do Find the strength to see this through
enjoyed the full version of We Are Soldiers. We are now going to be piping into the vice presidential debate here on OAN. Enjoy, and we'll be meeting back up to have our commentary and analysis right after the debate. Forefront, him in the background, they're focused on she's on the ticket, right. voting for her well, in don't November. Forget, that's also pandering. They're also okay. pandering to the black community because Joe has to try and erase that image of 40 years of racism, the racist statements we've, we've shown on this network multiple times mm-hmm. over the last two weeks. He has to try and run away from the 94 crime bill, Alex, you brought up, which incarcerated black and brown folks for sometimes two to three times length of sentences. Let's not forget, while she was the AG, Miss Harris, in the Golden State, sent a lot of folks in the black and brown community to jail for a lot longer sentences for a bag of weed versus a white person. Or including all parents not sending their kids to school as well if they were unable to do so. I mean, that was a big thing in the primary debate, too. And that's a decision that really affected minorities disproportionately. But when we talk about what these two people may be, I mean, yes, they may step in as the president in this upcoming administration, but this could very well be the matchup in the 2024 presidential race. I mean, it's the vice president side, and the Kamala Harris, as everybody says, is a rising star. And it's very clear that the DNC is on board with Kamala Harris because she didn't even make it to Iowa when it was the Democratic voters making the decision. So I think the DNC is very much so behind Kamala Harris. It's just a matter of if the Democratic people are behind Kamala Harris. And I think that depending on what happens tonight, their only debate, like we were all just saying, this is her night to shine. This is her night to lose. Mm-hmm. Kind of like it was with Biden and Trump, but again, we didn't get <laughs> much of any substance out of that. We kept a lot of fighting uh, and bickering. But I totally agree with you guys. I think tonight, this is her, hers to lose. Mm-hmm. She cannot afford this one shot to make a mistake, to make a slip up, and she's going to have to defend her record and her flip flopping. And all Mike has to do is stand on his record, be stoic and statesman, like he always has been. And he wins the debate. I take a lot of Mike Pence rallies and my shows on OAN, and you, whenever you listen to Mike Pence, you're listening to a politician who knows how to speak, who knows how to talk to the American people, to the voter, to the worker, to the faith group. You know, whatever group he's speaking to at that time, he can really hit it home with them, what they care about. And, it, you know, he can give the same speech here and there and there, and it sounds like, you know, a fresh thought out of his mind in that moment. Got to get the catch up, but it looks like Susan Page is taking to the stage. We want to throw you out of the first vice presidential debate. We'll be back for post-debate coverage after. Thanks. I'm Susan Page of USA Today. It is my honor to moderate this debate, an important part of our democracy. In Kingsbury Hall tonight, we have a small and socially distant audience, and we've taken extra precautions during this pandemic. Among other things, everyone in the audience is required to wear a face mask, and the candidates will be seated 12 feet apart. The audience is enthusiastic about their candidates, but they've agreed to express that enthusiasm only twice, at the end of the debate, and now when I introduce the candidates. Please welcome California Senator Kamala Harris and Vice President Mike Pence. Senator Harris and Vice President Pence, thank you for being here. We're meeting as President Trump and the First Lady continue to undergo treatment in Washington after testing positive for COVID-19. We send our thoughts and prayers to them for their rapid and complete recovery and for the recovery of everyone afflicted by the coronavirus. 
The two campaigns and the Commission on Presidential Debates have agreed to the ground rules for tonight. I'm here to enforce them on behalf of the millions of Americans who are watching. One note, no one in either campaign or at the Commission or anywhere else has been told in advance what topics I'll raise or what questions I'll ask. This 90-minute debate will be divided into nine segments of about 10 minutes each. I'll begin a segment by posing a question to each of you, sometimes the same question, sometimes a different question on the same topic. You will then have two minutes to answer without interruption by me or the other candidate. Then we'll take six minutes or so to discuss the issue. At that point, although there will always be more to say, we'll move on to the next topic. We want a debate that is lively, but Americans also deserve a discussion that is civil. These are tumultuous times, but we can and will have a respectful exchange about the big issues facing our nation. Let's begin with the ongoing pandemic that has cost our country so much. Senator Harris, the coronavirus is not under control. Over the past week, Johns Hopkins reports that 39 states have had more COVID cases over the past seven days than in the week before. Nine states have set new records. Even if a vaccine is released soon, the next administration will face hard choices. What would a Biden administration do in January and February that a Trump administration wouldn't do? Would you impose new lockdowns for businesses and schools and hotspots, a federal mandate to wear masks? You have two minutes to respond without interruption. Thank you, Susan. Well, the American people have witnessed what is the greatest failure of any presidential administration in the history of our country. And here are the facts. 210,000 dead people in our country in just the last several months. Over 7 million people who have contracted this disease. One in five businesses closed. We're looking at frontline workers who have been treated like sacrificial workers. We are looking at over 30 million people who in the last several months had to file for unemployment. And here's the thing. On January 28th, the vice president and the president were informed about the nature of this pandemic. They were informed that it's lethal in consequence, that it is airborne, that it will affect young people, and that it would be contracted because it is airborne. And they knew what was happening and they didn't tell you. Can you imagine if you knew on January 28th, as opposed to March 13th, what they knew, what you might have done to prepare? They knew and they covered it up. The president said it was a hoax. They minimized the seriousness of it. The president said, you're on one side of his ledger. If you wear a mask, you're on the other side of his ledger if you don't. And in spite of all of that, today they still don't have a plan. They still don't have a plan. Well, Joe Biden does. And our plan is about what we need to do around a national strategy for contact tracing, for testing, for administration of the vaccine and making sure that it will be free for all. That is the plan that Joe Biden has and that I have, knowing that we have to get a hold of what has been going on and we need to save our country. And Joe Biden is the best leader to do that. And frankly, this administration has forfeited Thank you, their right for reelection based on that. Thank you, Senator Harris. Vice President Pence, 
More than 210,000 Americans have died of COVID-19 since February. The U.S. death toll as a percentage of our population is higher than that of almost every other wealthy nation on Earth. For instance, our death rate is two and a half times that of Canada next door. You head the administration's coronavirus task force. Why is the U.S. death toll as a percentage of our population higher than that of almost every other wealthy country? And you have two minutes to respond without interruption. Susan, thank you. And I want to thank the commission and the University of Utah for hosting this event. And uh, Senator Harris, it's a privilege to be on the stage with you. And our nation has gone through a very challenging time this year. But I want the American people to know that from the very first day, President Donald Trump has put the health of America first. Before there were more than five cases in the United States, all people who had returned from China, President Donald Trump did what no other American president had ever done. And that was he suspended all travel from China, the second largest economy in the world. Now, Senator Joe Biden, Biden opposed that decision. He said it was xenophobic and hysterical. But I can tell you, having led the White House Coronavirus Task Force, that that decision alone by President Trump bought us invaluable time to stand up the greatest national mobilization since World War II. And I believe it saved hundreds of thousands of American lives. Because with that time, we were able to reinvent testing. More than 115 million tests have been done to date. We were able to see to the delivery of billions of supplies so our doctors and nurses had the resources support they needed. And we began really before the month of February was our to develop a vaccine and to develop medicines and therapeutics that have been saving lives all along the way. And under President Trump's leadership, Operation Warp Speed, we believe we'll have literally tens of millions of doses of a vaccine before the end of this year. The reality is when you look at the Biden plan, it reads an awful lot like what President Trump and I and our task force have been doing every step of the way. And quite frankly, when I look at their plan that talks about advancing testing, creating new PPE, developing a vaccine, um, it looks a little bit like plagiarism, which is something Joe Biden knows a little bit about. And I think the American people know that this is a president who has put the Thank health you, of America first and the American people, I believe with my heart, can be Thank proud you, of the sacrifices they have made. It's saved Thank countless you, American lives. Senator Harris, would oh. you like to respond? Absolutely. I, whatever the vice president is claiming the administration has done, clearly it hasn't worked. When you're looking at over 210,000 dead bodies in our country, American lives that have been lost, families that are grieving that loss. And you know, the vice president is the head of the task force and knew on January 28th how serious this was. And then thanks to Bob Woodward, we learned that they knew about it. And then when that was exposed, the vice president said, when asked, well, why didn't y'all tell anybody? He said, because the president wanted people to remain calm. Well, let's go. So I have, no, but Susan, I, this is important. Susan, I, and I, I want to ask, if Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. I have to I'm wait. speaking. Yeah, you so can have 15 I, I more wanna, seconds, and then we'll give the vice president Thank you. So I want to ask the American people, how calm were you when you were panicked about where you're going to get your next roll of toilet paper? How calm were you when your kids were sent home from school and you didn't know when they could go back? How calm Thank were you, you Thank when you, your Senator children Harris. couldn't see your parents because you were afraid they could kill them? 
Let's give Vice President Pence a chance to respond. Vice President, you have one minute to respond. You know, there's not a day going by that I haven't thought of every American family that's lost a loved one. And I want all of you to know that you'll always be in our hearts and in our prayers. But when you say what the American people have done over these last eight months hasn't worked, that's a great disservice to the sacrifices the American people have made. The reality, if I may, if I may finish that, the reality is, Dr. Fauci said, everything that he told the president in the Oval Office, the president told the American people. Now, President Trump, I will tell you, has boundless confidence in the American people, and he always spoke with confidence that we'd be through this together. But when you say it hasn't worked, when Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks and our medical experts came to us in the second week of March, they said if the president didn't take the unprecedented step of shutting down roughly half of the American economy, that we could lose 2.2 million Americans. But that's the reality. Thank you. They also Thank said you, this, if we did everything right, Susan, we could still lose more than 200,000 Americans. Now, one life lost is Thank too you. many, Susan. But the American people, I believe, deserve credit for the sacrifices that they have made, putting the health of their family and their neighbors first, our doctors, our nurses, our first Thank you, Vice President Pence. And I'm going to speak up on behalf of what the American people have done. Vice President Pence, you were in the front row in a Rose Garden event 11 days ago at what seems to have been a super spreader event for senior administration and congressional officials. No social distancing, few masks, and now a cluster of coronavirus cases among those who were there. How can you expect Americans to follow the administration's safety guidelines to protect themselves from COVID when you at the White House have not been doing so? Well, the American people have demonstrated over the last eight months that when given the facts, they're willing to put the health of their families and their neighbors and people they don't even know first. And President Trump and I have great confidence in, in the American people and, and their ability to take that information and put it into practice. In the height of the epidemic, when we were losing a heartbreaking number of 2,500 Americans a day, we surged resources to New Jersey and New York and New Orleans and Detroit. We told the American people what needed to be done, and the American people made the sacrifices. When the outbreak in the Sun Belt happened this summer, again, Americans stepped forward. But the reality is the work of the President of the United States goes on. A vacancy on the Supreme Court of the United States uh, has come upon us, and the president introduced Judge Amy Coney yes, Barrett. Thank you. Thank you, Vice President. At, at the, if I may say, that Rose Garden event, there's been a great deal of speculation about it. My wife Karen and I were there, and honored to be there. Many of the people who were at that event, Susan, actually were tested yes. for coronavirus, and it was an outdoor event, which all of our scientists regularly and routinely advise. The difference here is... President Trump and I trust the American people to make choices in the best interest of their health. Now, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris consistently talk about mandates, and not, not just mandates with the coronavirus, but a government takeover of health care, the you, Green New Deal, all government control. We're about freedom and respecting the freedom of the American people. Let's talk about respecting the American people. You respect the American people when you tell them the truth. You respect the American people when you have the courage Which we've to be a leader said. speaking of those things that you may not want people to hear, but they need to hear so they can protect themselves. But this administration stood on information that if you had as a parent, if you had as a worker knowing you didn't have enough money saved up, and now you're standing in a food line because of the ineptitude 
of an administration that was unwilling to speak the truth to the American people. So let's talk about caring about the American people. The American people have had to sacrifice far too much because of the incompetence of this administration. It is asking too much of the people. It is asking too much of the people. But if they would not be equipped with the information they need to help themselves to protect Susan, their parents President and their I'm children. Sorry. Uh, Kamala Harris, Senator Harris, I mean, I'm sorry. It's I'm fine, I'm Kamala. No, no, you're <laughs> Senator Harris to me. Um, for life to get back to normal, Dr. Anthony Fauci and other experts say that most of the people who can be vaccinated need to be vaccinated. But half of Americans now say they wouldn't take a vaccine if it was released now. If the Trump administration approves a vaccine before or after the election, should Americans take it and would you take it? If the public health professionals, if Dr. Fauci, if the doctors tell us that we should take it, I'll be the first in line to take it. Absolutely. But if Donald Trump tells us that we should take it, I'm not taking it. Vice President Pence, there have been a lot of repercussions from this pandemic. In recent days, the president's diagnosis of COVID-19 has underscored the importance of the job that you hold and that you are seeking. That's our second topic tonight. It's the role of the vice president. One of you will make history on January 20th. You will be the vice president to the oldest president the United States has ever had. Donald Trump will be 74 years old on inauguration day. Joe Biden will be 78 years old. That already has raised concerns among some voters, concerns that have been sharpened by President Trump's hospitalization in recent days. Vice President Pence, have you had a conversation or reached an agreement with President Trump about safeguards or procedures when it comes to the issue of presidential disability? And if not, do you think you should? You have two minutes without interruption. Well, Susan, uh, thank you. Although I would like to go back. I, I think we need to move on well, to the issue. Well, thank you, but I would like to go back. Because the reality is that we're going to have a vaccine, Senator, in record time, in unheard of time, in less than a year. We have five companies in phase three clinical trials, and we're right now producing tens of millions of doses. So the fact that you continue to undermine public confidence in a vaccine, if the vaccine emerges during the Trump administration, I think is, is unconscionable. And Senator, I, I just ask you, stop playing politics with people's lives. The reality is that we will have a vaccine, we believe, before the end of this year. And it will have the capacity to save countless American lives. And, and your continuous undermining uh, of confidence in a vaccine is just, it, it's just unacceptable. And let me also say, you know, the reality is when you talk about, about failure in this administration, we actually do know what failure looks like in a pandemic. It was 2009, the swine flu arrived in the United States. Thankfully, it was ended up not being as lethal as the coronavirus. But before the end of the year, when Joe Biden was vice president of the United States, not seven and a half million people contracted the swine flu, 60 million Americans contracted the swine flu. If the swine flu had been as lethal as the coronavirus in 2009, when Joe Biden was vice president, we would have lost 2 million American lives. His own chief of staff, Ron Klain, would say last year that it was pure luck that they did, quote, everything possible wrong. And, and we learned from that. They let the strategic national stockpile empty. 
they left a, an empty and hollow plan, but we Thank still learn from it. And I, I think Vice the American President people, I want to say again, can be proud Vice President, of sorry, what we have done. And Senator, please Thank you, stop President. undermining confidence in a vaccine. Senator Harris, let me ask you the same question that I asked sure. Vice President Pence, which is, have you had a conversation or reached an agreement with Vice President Biden about safeguards or procedures when it comes to the issue of presidential disability? And if not, and if you win the election next month, do you think you should? You have two minutes uninterrupted. So let me tell you, first of all, um, the day I got the call from, from Joe Biden, it was actually a Zoom call. Um, asking me to serve with him on this ticket was probably one of the most memorable, memorable days of my life. Um, I, you know, I thought about my mother who came to the United States at the age of 19, um, gave birth to me at the age of 25 at Kaiser Hospital in Austin, California. And um, the thought that I'd be sitting here right now, um, I know would make her proud and she must be looking down on this. Um, you know, Joe and I were raised in a very similar way. We were raised with values that are about hard work, about the value and the dignity of public service, and about the importance of fighting for the dignity of all people. And I think Joe asked me to serve with him because, you know, I have a career that included being elected the first woman district attorney of San Francisco, where I created models of innovation for law enforcement in terms of reform of the criminal justice system. I was elected um, the first uh, woman of color and black woman to be elected attorney general of the state of California, where I ran the second largest department of justice in the United States, second only to the United States Department of Justice. And there I took on everything from transnational criminal organizations to the big banks that were taking advantage of homeowners to for-profit colleges that were taking advantage of veterans. And then, of course, now I serve in the United States Senate as only the second black woman ever elected to the United States Senate. I serve on the Senate Intelligence Committee where I've been in regular receipt of classified information about threats to our nation and hotspots around the world. I've traveled the world. I've met with our soldiers in, our, in war zones. And I think Joe has asked me to serve with him because he knows that we share, we share a purpose which is about lifting up the American people. And after the four years that we have seen of Donald Trump unifying our country around our common values, Thank you, Senator Harris. You know, neither, neither President Trump nor Vice President Biden has released a sort of detailed health information that had become the modern norm until the 2016 election. And in recent days, President Trump's doctors have given misleading answers or refused to answer basic questions about his health. And my question to each of you in turn is, is this information voters deserve to know? Vice President Pence, would you like to go first? Well, I, Susan, thank you, and uh, and let me let me say, on behalf of the president and the first lady, how moved we've all been by the outpouring of prayers and concern for the president. And I do believe it's emblematic of the prayers and the concern that have ushered forth for every American impacted by the coronavirus. But the care the president received at Walter Reed Hospital. White House doctors was exceptional. And the transparency that they practiced all along the way will continue. The American people have a right to know about the health and well-being of their president and will continue to do that. But I'm just extremely grateful and was more than more than a little moved 
um, by the broad and bipartisan support. And uh, Senator, I want to thank you and Joe Biden for your expressions, genuine concern. And I also want to congratulate you, uh, as I did on that phone call, uh, on uh, the historic nature of your nomination. Uh, I, I never expected to be on this stage four years ago, so I know the feeling. But um, uh, the reality is um, we've got an election before the American people in the midst of this challenging year. And the stakes have never been higher. Thank I think you. the Thanks, choice has never been clear. I want to give Senator Harris a chance to respond to the same question I asked, which is do voters have a right to know more detailed health information about presidential candidates and especially about presidents? especially when they're facing some kind of challenge. Absolutely, and that's why Joe Biden has been so incredibly transparent, and certainly, by contrast, um, the, the president has not, um, both in terms of health records, but also let's look at taxes. Um, we now know, because of great investigative journalism, that Donald Trump paid $750 in taxes. When I first heard about it, I, I literally said, you mean $750,000? And it was like, no, $750. We now know Donald Trump owes and is in debt for $400 million. And just so everyone is clear, when, when we say in debt, it means you owe money to somebody. And it'd be really good to know who the president of the United States, the commander in chief, owes money to, because the American people have a right to know what is influencing the president's decisions? And is he making those decisions on the best interest of the American people, of you, or self-interest? So, Susan, I'm glad you asked about transparency, because it has to be across the board. Joe has been incredibly transparent over many, many years. The one thing we all know about Joe, he puts it all out there. He, he is honest. He is forthright. But Donald Trump, on the other hand, has been about covering up everything. Thank you, Senator Harris. I want to give you a chance to respond, Vice President. Well, look, I, I respect the fact that Joe Biden spent 47 years in public life. I respect your public service as well. Thank you. But the American people have a president who is a businessman, who's a job creator, who's paid tens of millions of dollars in taxes, payroll taxes, property taxes. He's created tens of thousands of American jobs. And the president said those public reports are not accurate. And, and the president's also released literally stacks of financial disclosures the American people can review just as the law allows. But the distinction here is that uh, Joe Biden, 47 years in public service, compared to President Donald Trump, who brought all of that experience four years ago. Thank you, Brett. Thank you, and Vice turned President. this economy around by cutting taxes, rolling back regulations, thank you, thank you, Vice President. energy, fighting for free and fair trade, and all thank, of that. Thank you, Vice line, President. If Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. You know, that's a good segue White. into our third Great topic, segue. which is about the economy. This has been another aspect of life for Americans that's been so affected by this coronavirus. We have a jobs crisis brewing. On Friday, we learned that the unemployment rate had declined to 7.9% in September, but the job growth had stalled, and that was before the latest round of layoffs and furloughs in the airline industry at Disney and elsewhere. Hundreds of thousands of discouraged workers have stopped looking for work. Nearly 11 million jobs that existed at the beginning of the year haven't been replaced. Those hardest hit include Latinos, Blacks, and women. Senator Harris, the Biden-Harris campaign has proposed new programs to boost the economy, and you would pay for that new spending by raising $4 trillion in taxes on wealthy individuals 
and corporations. Some economists warn that could curb entrepreneurial ventures that fuel growth and create jobs. Would raising taxes put the recovery at risk? And you have two minutes to answer uninterrupted. Thank you. Um, on the issue of the economy, I think there couldn't be a more fundamental difference between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Joe Biden believes you measure the health and the strength of America's economy based on the health and the strength of the American worker and the American family. On the other hand, you have Donald Trump who measures the strength of the economy based on how rich people are doing, which is why he passed a tax bill benefiting the top 1% and the biggest corporations of America, leading to a $2 trillion deficit that the American people are going to have to pay for. On day one, Joe Biden will repeal that tax bill. He'll get rid of it. And what he'll do with the money is invest it in the American people. And through a plan that is about investing in infrastructure, something that Donald Trump said he would do, I remember hearing about some infrastructure week, I don't think it ever happened, but Joe Biden will do that. He'll invest in infrastructure. It's about upgrading our roads and bridges, but also investing in clean energy and renewable energy. Joe is going to invest that money in what we need to do around innovation. There was a time when our country believed in science and invested in research and development so that we were an innovation leader on the globe. Joe Biden will use that money to invest in education. So, for example, for folks who want to go to a two-year community college, it will be free. If you come from a family that makes less than $125,000, you'll go to a public university for free. And across the board, we'll make sure that if you have student loan debt, it's cut by $10,000. That's how Joe Biden thinks about the economy, which is about investing in the people of our country, as opposed to passing a tax bill, which had the benefit of letting American corporations go offshore to do their business. Thank you, You're Senator welcome. Harris. Vice President Pence, your administration has been predicting a rapid and robust recovery, but the latest economic report suggests that's not happening. Should Americans be braced for an economic comeback that is going to take not months, but a year or more? You have two minutes to answer uninterrupted. When President Trump and I took office, America had gone through the slowest economic recovery since the Great Depression. So when Joe Biden was vice president, they tried to tax and spend and regulate and bail our way back to a growing economy. President Trump cut taxes across the board. Despite what uh, Senator Harris says, the American family of four had $2,000 in savings and taxes. And with the rise in wages that occurred, most predominantly for blue-collar, hardworking Americans, the average household income for a family of four increased by $4,000 following President Trump's tax cuts. But America, you just heard Senator Harris tell you, on day one, Joe Biden's going to raise your taxes. It's really remarkable to think. That, I mean, right after a time where we're going through a pandemic that lost 22 million jobs at the height, we've already added back 11.6 million jobs because we had a president who cut taxes, rolled back regulation, unleashed American energy, fought for free and fair trade, and secured $4 trillion from the Congress of the United States to give direct payments to families, save 50 million jobs through the Paycheck Protection Program. We literally have spared no expense to help the American people and the American worker through this. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris want to raise taxes. They want to bury our economy under a $2 trillion Green New Deal which you were one of the original co-sponsors of in the United States Senate. They want to abolish fossil fuels. 
and ban fracking, which would cost hundreds of thousands of American jobs all across the heartland. And Joe Biden wants to go back to the economic surrender to China, that when we took office, half of our international trade deficit was with China alone. And Joe Biden wants to repeal all of the tariffs that President Trump put into effect to fight for American jobs and American workers. Joe Biden says democracy's on the ballot. Make no mistake about it, Susan. The, the American economy, the American comeback is on the ballot with four more years of growth Thank you. and opportunity, Thank four you. more years of President Donald Trump. 2021 Thank is the biggest economic year in the history of this country. Thank you, Vice President Pence. Senator Harris? Well, I mean, I we saw enough of it in last week's debate, but I think this is supposed to be a debate based on fact and truth. And the truth and the fact is Joe Biden has been very clear. He will not raise taxes on anybody who makes less than $400,000 a year. He the Trump tax cuts. Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. Well, wait, wait. I'm speaking. The important is you said the truth. Joe Biden said twice in the debate last week that he's going to repeal the Trump tax cuts. That was tax cuts that gave the average working family $2,000 in a tax break every single year. That is, Senator, that is absolutely not true. That is, he only cutting, is he only going to repeal part of the Trump tax cuts? If you don't mind letting me finish, we can Please. then have a conversation. Okay? Please. Okay. Joe Biden will not raise taxes on anyone who makes less than $400,000 a year. He has been very clear about that. Joe Biden will not end fracking. He has been very clear about that. Joe Biden is the one who, during the, the Great Recession, was responsible for the Recovery Act that brought America back. And now the Trump-Pence administration wants to take credit when they, ran, when they rode the coattails of Joe Biden's success for the economy that they had at the beginning of their term. Of course, now the economy is a complete disaster. But Joe Biden, on the one hand, did that. On the other hand, you have Donald Trump, who has reigned over a recession that is being compared to the Great Depression. On the one hand, you have Joe Biden, who was responsible with President Barack Obama for the Affordable Care Act which brought health care to over 20 million Americans and protected people with pre-existing conditions. And what it also did is it saved those families who otherwise were going bankrupt because of hospital bills they could not afford. On the other hand, you have Donald Trump, who's in court right now, trying to get rid of, Thank you, trying to get rid of the Affordable Care Act, which means that you will lose protections if you have pre-existing conditions. And I just, this is very important, Susan. Yes, and it's important. We, need to get, we need to get Vice President. I, I just like, he interrupted me, and I'd like to just finish, please. If you have a pre-existing condition, heart disease, diabetes, breast cancer, they're coming for you. If you love someone who has a pre-existing condition, Thank you. Thank they're you, coming for you. If you are under the age of 26 on your parents' coverage, they're coming for you. Senator Harris, thank you. Let me give you a chance to respond. Well, I hope we have a chance to talk about health care because Obamacare was a disaster. The American people remember it well. And President Trump and I have a plan to, to improve health care and to protect pre-existing conditions for every American. But look, uh, Senator Harris, you're, you're entitled to your own opinion, but you're not entitled to your own facts. You yourself said on multiple occasions when you were running for president that you would ban fracking. Joe Biden looked at a supporter in the eye and pointed and said, I guarantee, I guarantee that we will abolish fossil fuels. They have a $2 trillion version of the Green New Deal, Susan, that your newspaper, USA Today, said 
really wasn't that very di different from the original Green New Deal. More taxes, more regulation, banning fracking, abolishing fossil fuel, crushing American energy, and economic surrender to China is a prescription for economic decline. President Trump and I will keep America growing. The V-shaped recovery that's underway right now will continue with four more years of President Donald Trump. Thank you very, very much, Vice President Pence. Once again, you provided the perfect segue to a new topic, which is climate change. And Vice President Pence, I'd like to pose the first question to you. This year, we've seen record-setting hurricanes in the South. Another one, Hurricane Delta, is now threatening the Gulf. And we have seen record-setting wildfires in the West. Do you believe, as the scientific community has concluded, that man-made climate change has made wildfires bigger, hotter, and more deadly, and have made hurricanes wetter, slower, and more damaging? You have two minutes uninterrupted. Thank you, Susan. Well, first, I'm very proud of our record on the environment and on conservation. According to all of the best estimates, our, our air and land are cleaner than any time ever recorded, and our water is among the cleanest in the world. And just a little while ago, the president signed the Outdoors Act, the largest investment in our public lands and public parks in 100 years. So President Trump has made a commitment to conservation and to the environment. Now, with regard to climate change, the climate is changing. But the issue is, what's the cause and what do we do about it? And President Trump has made it clear that we're going to continue to listen to the science. Now, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris would put us back in the Paris Climate Accord. They'd impose the Green New Deal, which would crush American energy, would increase the energy costs of American families in their homes, and literally would crush American jobs. And President Trump and I believe that the progress that we have made in a cleaner environment has been happening precisely because we have a strong free market economy. You know, what's remarkable is the United States has reduced CO2 more than the countries that are still in the Paris Climate Accord, but we've done it through innovation and we've done it through natural gas and fracking, which Senator, the American people can go look at the record. I, I know Joe Biden says otherwise now, as you do, but the both of you repeatedly committed to abolishing fossil fuel and banning of fracking. And so by creating the kind of American innovation, we're actually steering toward a stronger and better environment. With regard to wildfires, President Trump and I believe that forest management has to be front and center. And even Governor Gavin Newsom from your state has agreed we've got to work on forest management. And with regard to hurricanes, the National Oceanic Administration tells us that actually as, as difficult as they are, Thank you, there are no more hurricanes today than Thank there you. were 100 years ago. Thank you. But many of the climate alarmists use President hurricanes President. and wildfires to try and Thank sell you, the bill of goods to the Green New Deal. And President Trump and I are going to always put Thank American you, jobs and American workers first. Senator Harris, as the Vice President mentioned, you co-sponsored the Green New Deal in Congress. But Vice President Biden said in last week's debate that he does not support the Green New Deal. But if you look at the Biden-Harris campaign website, it describes the Green New Deal as a crucial framework. What exactly would be the stance of a Biden-Harris administration toward the Green New Deal? You have two minutes uninterrupted. Sure. So first of all, I will repeat, and the American people know, that Joe Biden will not ban fracking. That is a fact. 
That is a fact. I will repeat that Joe Biden has been very clear that he thinks about growing jobs, which is why he will not increase taxes for anyone who makes less than $400,000 a year. Joe Biden's economic plan, Moody's, which is a reputable Wall Street firm, has said will create 7 million more jobs than Donald Trump's. And part of those jobs that will be created by Joe Biden are going to be about clean energy and renewable energy. Because you see, Joe understands that the west coast of our country is burning, including my home state of California. Joe sees what is happening on the Gulf states, which are being battered by storms. Joe has seen and talked with the farmers in Iowa whose entire crops have been destroyed because of floods. And so Joe believes, again, in science. I'll tell you something, Susan. I served when I first got to the Senate on the committee that's responsible for the environment. Do you know this administration took the word science off the website and then took the phrase climate change off the website? This, we have seen a pattern with this administration, which is they don't believe in science. And Joe's plan is about saying we're going to deal with it, but we're also going to create jobs. Donald Trump, when asked about the wildfires in California, and, and the question was, you know, the science is telling us this. You know what Donald Trump said? Science doesn't know. So let's talk about who is prepared to lead our country over the course of the next four years on what is an existential threat to us as human beings. Joe is about saying we're going to invest that in renewable energy. It's going to be about the creation of millions of jobs. We will achieve net um, zero emissions by 2050, carbon neutral by 2035. Joe has a plan. This has been a lot of talk from the Trump administration, and really it has been to go backward instead of forward. We will also reenter the climate agreement with pride. Senator Harris just said that climate change is an existential threat. Vice President Pence, do you believe that climate change poses an existential threat? As I said, Susan, the climate is changing. We'll follow the science. But uh, once again, uh, Senator Harris um, is denying the fact that they're going to raise taxes on every American. Joe Biden said twice in the debate last week that on day one he was going to repeal the Trump tax cuts. Those tax cuts delivered $2,000 in tax relief to the average family of four across America. And with regard to banning fracking, I just recommend that people look at the record. You yourself said repeatedly that you would ban fracking. You were the first Senate co-sponsor of the Green New Deal. And while Joe Biden denied the Green New Deal, Susan, thank you for pointing out, the Green New Deal is on their campaign website. And as USA Today said, it's essentially the same plan as you co-sponsored with AOC when she submitted it in the Senate. And you just heard the Senator say that she's gonna resubmit America to the Paris Climate Accord. Look, the, the American people have always cherished our environment. We'll continue to cherish it. We've made great progress reducing CO2 emissions through American innovation and the development of natural gas through fracking. We don't need a massive $2 trillion Green New Deal that would impose all new mandates on American businesses and American families. Thank you. Joe Biden wants us Thank to retrofit four million Thank American you, business buildings. It makes no sense. It will cost jobs. President Trump Thank is you, going to put Vice America Vice. first. He's going to put jobs first, and we're going to take care of our environment and follow the science. Thank, Thank you. Vice you Vice know, Vice. on the issue of jobs, Senator Harris, let's talk about that. 
You, the, the vice president earlier referred to, as part of what he thinks is an accomplishment, um, the, the president's trade war with China. You lost that trade war. You lost it. What ended up happening is because of a so-called trade war with China, America lost 300,000 manufacturing jobs. Farmers have experienced bankruptcy because of it. We are in a manufacturing recession because of it. And when we look at where this administration has been, there are estimates that by the end of the term of this administration, they will have lost more jobs than almost any other presidential administration. And the American people know what I'm talking about. You know, I, I think about 20-year-olds. You know, we have a 20-year-old, a 20-something-year-old, who are coming out of high school and college right now, and you're wondering, is there going to be a job there for me? We're looking at people who are trying to figure out how they're going to pay rent by the end of the month. Almost half of American renters are worried about whether they're going to be able to pay rent by the end of the month. This is where the economy is in America right now, and it is because of the catastrophe and the failure of leadership of this administration. Thank you, Senator Harris. Vice President Pence, let me give you just 15 seconds to respond because then I want to move on. Well, I'd love to respond. Look, um, lost the trade war with China. Joe Biden never fought it. Joe Biden has been a cheerleader for communist China through over the last several decades. And, and again, Senator Harris, you're entitled to your opinion. You're not entitled to your own facts. When Joe Biden was vice president, we lost 200,000 manufacturing jobs, and President Obama said they were never coming back. He said we needed a magic wand to bring them back. In our first three years after we cut taxes, you, rolled back regulation, unleashed American energy, this administration saw 500,000 manufacturing jobs created. And that's exactly the kind of growth we're going to continue to see as we bring our nation through Thank you, this president. pandemic. The Green New Thank Deal, you, your president massive president. new mandate, your Paris Climate Accord, it's going to kill jobs this time, just like it killed jobs. I, 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 I just need to respond very quickly. Uh, 15 seconds. Thank you. Thank you. Joe Biden is responsible for saving America's auto industry, and you voted against it. So let's set the record straight. Thank you. Yeah. I'd like to talk about China. We have, as our next topic, we have no more complicated or consequential foreign relationship than the one with China. It is a huge market for American agricultural goods. It's a potential partner in dealing with climate change in North Korea. And in a video tonight, President Trump again blamed it for the coronavirus, saying China will pay. Vice President Pence, how would you describe our, our fundamental relationship with China? Competitors, adversaries, enemies? You have two minutes. Thank you, Susan. Well, let me, before I leave that, let me, let me speak to voting records if I can. You know, everybody knows that NAFTA cost literally thousands of American factories to close. We saw automotive jobs go south of the border. President Trump fought to renegotiate NAFTA. And the United States-Mexico-Canada agreement is now the law of the land. American people deserve to know Senator Kamala Harris was one of only 10 members of the Senate to vote against the USMCA. It was a huge win for American auto workers. It was a huge win for American farmers, especially dairy in the upper Midwest. But Senator, you, you said it didn't go far enough on climate change, that, that you put your, your radical environmental agenda 
ahead of American auto workers and ahead of American jobs. And the American people deserve to know that. It's probably why Newsweek magazine said that, that Kamala Harris was the most liberal member of the United States Senate in 2019, more liberal than Bernie Sanders, uh, more, more liberal than any of the others in the United States Senate. So now with regard to China, look, Susan, first and foremost, China is to blame for the coronavirus. And President Trump is not happy about it. He's made that very clear, made it clear again today. China and the World Health Organization did not play straight with the American people. They did not let our personnel into China to get information on the coronavirus until the middle of February. Fortunately, President Trump, in dealing with China from the outset of this administration, standing up to China that had been taking advantage of America for decades in the wake of Joe Biden's cheerleading for China, President Trump made that decision before the end of January to suspend all travel from China. And again, the American people deserve to know Joe Biden opposed President Trump's decision to suspend all travel from China. He said it was hysterical. He said it Thank was you, xenophobic. But President Trump has stood up to China. Up. We're going to continue to stand strong. Thank you, Vice President Pence. We want to improve the relationship, but we're going to level the playing field, and we're going to hold Vice China President accountable for what they did to America with the coronavirus. Thank you. Senator Harris, let me ask you the same question that I asked the Vice President. How would you describe our fundamental relationship with China? Are we competitors, adversaries, enemies? You'll have two minutes uninterrupted. Susan, the Trump administration's perspective and approach to China has resulted in the loss of American lives, American jobs, and America's standing. There is a weird obsession that President Trump has had with getting rid of whatever accomplishment was achieved by President Obama and Vice President Biden. For example, they created within the White House an office that basically was responsible for monitoring pandemics. They got away, they, they got rid of it. Not true. There was a team of disease experts that President Obama and Vice President Biden dispatched to China to monitor what is now predictable and what might happen. They pulled them out. We now are looking at 210,000 Americans who have lost their lives. Let's look at the job situation. We mentioned before the trade deal, the trade war, they wanted to call it, with China. It resulted in the loss of over 300 manufacturing jobs and a manufacturing recession and the American consumer paying thousands of dollars more for goods because of that failed war that they called it. Then let's talk about standing. Pew, a reputable research firm, has done an analysis that shows that leaders of all of our formerly allied countries have now decided that they hold in greater esteem and respect Xi Jinping the head of the Chinese Communist Party than they do Donald Trump, the President of the United States, the Commander-in-Chief of the United States. This is where we are today because of a failure of leadership by this administration. Senator Harris, we've seen changes in the, in the role of the United States in terms of global leadership over the past four years. And of course, times do change. What's your definition? We've seen strength with China, of course, 
as the vice president mentioned, we've seen strains with our traditional allies in NATO and elsewhere. What is your definition of the role of American leadership in 2020? So, you know, Joe is, I, I love talking with Joe about a lot of these issues. And, you know, Joe, he, I think he said it quite well. He says, you know, foreign policy, it might sound complicated, but really it's relationships. So just think about it as relationships. And so we know this in our personal and professional relationships. Um, you got to keep your word to your friends. Got to be loyal to your friends. People who stood with you, got to stand with them. You got to know who your adversaries are and keep them in check. But what we have seen with Donald Trump is that he has betrayed our friends and, 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 and embraced dictators around the world. Let's take, for example, Russia. So Russia, I serve on the Intelligence Committee of the United States Senate. America's intelligence community told us Russia interfered in the election of the President of the United States in 2016 and is playing in 2020. Christopher Wray, the director of the FBI, said the same. But Donald Trump, the commander-in-chief of the United States of America, prefers to take the word of Vladimir Putin over the word of the American intelligence community. You look at our friends at NATO. He's walked away from agreements. You can talk, look at the Iran nuclear deal, which now has put us in a position where we are less safe because they are building up what might end up being a significant nuclear arsenal. We were in that deal, guys. We were in the Iran nuclear deal with friends, with allies around the country. And because of Donald Trump's unilateral approach to foreign policy, coupled with his isolationism, he pulled us out and has made America less safe. So, Susan, it's about relationships. And the thing that has always been part of the strength of our nation, in addition to our great military, has been that we keep our word, but Donald Trump doesn't understand that because he doesn't understand what it means to be honest. Thank you, thank you, uh, thank you, Senator Harris. Vice President, let me give you a chance to respond. Well, thank you. Um, well, President Trump kept his word when we moved the American Embassy to Jerusalem, the capital of the state of Israel. When Joe Biden was Vice President, they promised to do that and never did. We stood strong with our allies, but we've been demanding. NATO is now contributing more to our common defense than ever before, thanks to President Trump's leadership. We've strengthened our alliances across the Asia Pacific, and we've stood strong uh, against those who would do us harm. You know, when President Trump came into office, uh, ISIS had captured an area of the Middle East the size of Pennsylvania. But President Trump unleashed the American military and our armed forces destroyed the ISIS caliphate and took down their leader, al-Baghdadi, without one American casualty. Al-Baghdadi was uh, responsible for the death of thousands, um, but notably America's hearts today are with the family of Kayla Miller, the parents of which are here with us tonight in Salt Lake City. Today, two of the ISIS killers responsible for Kayla Miller's murder were brought to justice in the United States. Jihadi John was killed on the battlefield along with the other Beatle. The reality is that when Joe Biden was vice president, we had an opportunity to save Kayla Miller. Breaks my heart to reflect on it, but the military came into the Oval Office, presented a plan. They said they knew where Kayla was. Baghdadi had held her for 18 months, abused her mercilessly before they killed her. But 
when Joe Biden was vice president, they hesitated for a month. And when armed forces finally went in, it was clear she'd been moved two days earlier. And her family says with a heart that broke the heart of every American that if President Donald had been president, they believe Kayla would be alive today. Thank you, Vice President. Look, we destroyed the ISIS caliphate. Uh, and you talk about re-entering the Iran nuclear deal. I mean, the last administration transferred $1.8 billion to the leading state sponsor Thank you, Vice of President. terrorism. President Donald Trump got us out of the deal. Thank you, Vice President Pence. And, and when Qasem Soleimani was traveling to Baghdad Thank you, to President harm Pence. to Americans, President Donald Trump took Thank you, Vice out. President Pence. And America is, is safer. Our allies are safer. And the American people know President Donald Trump will never have Thank you, Vice President to take action. I would like to give Senator Harris a chance to respond, but not at such great length, because, of course, there are other topics we want to talk about. But I would like equal time. Yes. Thank you. Please go ahead. Uh, first of all, to the Mueller family, I, I, I know about your daughter's case, and I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, what happened to her is awful, and it should have never happened. And I know Joe feels the same way. And I know that President Obama feels the same way. Um, but you mentioned Soleimani. Let's, let's start there. So after the strike on Soleimani, there was a counter strike on our troops in Iraq. And they suffered serious brain injuries. And do you know what Donald Trump dismissed them as? Headaches. And this is about a pattern of Donald Trump's, where he has referred to our men who are serving in our military as suckers and losers. Donald Trump, who went to Arlington Cemetery and stood above the graves of our fallen heroes and said, what's in it for them? Because of course, you know, he only thinks about what's in it for him. Let's take what he said about John McCain, a great American hero. And, and, and Donald Trump says he doesn't deserve to be called a hero because he was a prisoner of war. Take, and this is, this is very important, when you want to talk about who is the current commander-in-chief and what they care about and what they don't care about. Public reporting that Russia has bounties on the heads of American soldiers. And you know what a bounty is? It's somebody puts a price on your head and they will pay it if you are killed. And Donald Trump had talked at least six times to Vladimir Putin and never brought up the subject. Joe Biden would never do that. Thank Joe you. Biden would, but, but Joe Biden yeah. would hold Russia to account for any threat to our nation's security or to our troops who are sacrificing their lives for the sake of our democracy and our safety. Thank you, Senator Harris. This is such an important issue, but we have other important issues as well. And Senator, I, want to, I want to make sure we have a chance I, I really have to talk to about to that. I, I, Look, uh, she has 15 she, seconds. Because well, I got to have more than that. Look, you, I'm sorry, Vice President, look, but you've I, had more time than she's had the so far. Slanders against President Donald Trump regarding men and women of our armed forces are absurd. I'm, I'm sorry, Vice My President. My son is Pence. a captain in the United yes. States Marine Corps. My son-in-law is deployed in the United States Navy. I can assure all of you, with sons and daughters serving in our military, President Donald Trump not only respects but reveres all of those who serve in our armed forces, and any suggestion otherwise, it's ridiculous. 
uh, practicing Catholic uh, as president of the United States. Um, on the issue of this, of this nomination, Joe and I are very clear, as are the majority of the American people. We are 27 days before the decision about who will be the next president of the United States. And, you know, before when this conversation has come up, you know, it's been about election year or election time. We're literally in an election. Over 4 million people have voted. People are in the process of voting right now. And so Joe has been very clear, as the American people are, let the American people fill that seat in the White House, and then we'll fill that seat on the United States Supreme Court. And to your point, Susan, the, the issues before us couldn't be more serious. There's the issue of choice, and I will always fight for a woman's right to make a decision about her own body. It should be her decision and not that of Donald Trump and, and the Vice President, Michael Pence. But let's also look at what else is before the, the, the court. It's the Affordable Care Act. Like, literally in the midst of a public health pandemic, when over 210,000 people have died and 7 million people probably have what will be in the future considered a pre-existing condition because you, you, you contracted the virus. Donald Trump is in court right now trying to get rid of the Affordable Care Act. And I said it before, and it bears repeating. This means that there will be no more protections if they win for people with pre-existing conditions. This means that over 20 million people will lose your coverage. It means that if you're under the age of 26, you can't stay on your parents' coverage anymore. And here's the thing. The contrast couldn't be more clear. They're trying to get rid of the Affordable Care Act. Thank Joe Biden is saying, let's expand coverage. Let's give you a choice of a public Thank option you. or private coverage. Let's bring down PME premiums. You, let's lower Medicare eligibility to 60. Thank you, Senator. That's true leadership. You know, you mentioned uh, earlier, Vice President Pence, that the president was committed to maintaining protections for people with pre-existing conditions. Um, and, but you do have this court case that you are supporting, your administration supporting, that would strike down the Affordable Care Act. The, the president says, President Trump says that he's gonna protect people with pre-existing conditions, but he has not explained how he would do that. And that was one of the toughest nuts to crack when they were passing the Affordable Care Act. So tell us specifically, how would your administration protect Americans with pre-existing conditions have access to affordable insurance if the Affordable Care Act is struck down? Well, uh, thank you, Susan. But let me just say, addressing your very first question, I, I couldn't be more proud to serve as vice president to a president who stands without apology for the sanctity of human life. I'm pro-life. I, I don't apologize for it. And this is another one of those cases where there's such a dramatic contrast. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris support taxpayer funding of abortion all the way up to the moment of birth, mm -hmm. late-term abortion. They want to increase funding to Planned Parenthood of America. Now, for our part, I, I would never presume how Judge Amy Coney Barrett would rule on the Supreme Court of the United States, but um, we'll continue to stand strong for the right to life. When you speak about the Supreme Court, though, I think the American people really deserve an answer, Senator Harris. Are you and Joe Biden going to pack the court if Judge Amy Coney Barrett is confirmed? I mean, there have been 29 vacancies on the Supreme Court during presidential election years from George Washington to Barack Obama. Presidents have nominated in all 29 cases. But your party is actually openly advocating adding seats to the Supreme Court 
which has had nine seats for 150 years if you don't get your way. This is a classic case of if you can't win by the rules, you're going to change the rules. Now, you've refused to answer the question. Joe Biden has refused to answer the question. So I think the American people would really like to know if Judge Amy Coney Barrett is confirmed at the Supreme Court of the United States, are you and Joe Biden, if somehow you win this election, going to pack the Supreme Court to get your way? I'm so glad we went through a little history lesson. Let's do that a little more. In 1864, well, I'd like you to answer the question. Yes, Mr. Yes. Vice President, I'm speaking. I'm speaking. Okay. In 1864, one of the, I think, political heroes, certainly of the president, I, I assume of you also, Mr. Vice President, is Abraham Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Abraham Lincoln was up for re-election, and it was 27 days before the election. And a seat became open on the United States Supreme Court. Abraham Lincoln's party was in charge, not only of the White House, but the Senate. But Honest Abe said, it's not the right thing to do. The American people deserve to make the decision about who will be the next president of the United States. And then that person can select who will serve for a lifetime on the highest court of our land. And so Joe and I are very clear. The American people are voting right now, and it should be their decision about who will serve on this most important body for a lifetime. Thank you, Senator Harry. People, Susan, are voting right now. They'd like to know if you and Joe Biden are going to pack the Supreme Court if you don't get your way in this nomination. Let's talk about packing. You once Come again on. gave a non-answer. Joe Biden gave a non-answer. <laughs> Try to answer you People deserve a straight answer. And if you haven't figured it out yet, the straight answer is they are going to pack the Supreme Court if they somehow win this election. <laughs> Men and women, I, I, I got to tell you, people across this country, if you cherish our Supreme Court, if you cherish the separation of powers, you need to reject the Biden-Harris ticket. Come November the 3rd, re-elect President Donald Trump and will stand by that separation powers in the nine-seat Supreme Court. Yeah, let's talk about packing the court then. Let's talk about the pack. Yeah, I'm about to. So the Trump-Pence administration has been, because I sit on the Senate Judiciary Committee, Susan, as you mentioned, and I've witnessed the appointments for lifetime appointments to the federal courts, district courts, courts of appeal. People who are purely ideological, people who have been reviewed by, by legal professional organizations and found to have been not competent are substandard. And do you know that of the 50 people who President Trump appointed to the Court of Appeals for Lifetime Appointments, not one is black? This is what they've been doing. You want to talk about packing a court? Let's have that discussion. All right, thank you. Thank you, Senator. Let's go on and talk about the issue of racial justice. I, I just want the record to reflect she never answered the question. So I, the American people, maybe you. in the next debate, Joe Biden will answer the question. Thank but you. I think thank the American you. people know the answer. Thank you, Vice President. In March, Breonna Taylor, a 26-year-old emergency room technician in Louisville, was shot and killed after police officers executing a search warrant in a narcotics investigation broke into her apartment. The police said they identified themselves. Taylor's boyfriend said he didn't hear them do that. He used a gun registered to him to fire a shot, which wounded an officer. The officers then fired more than 20 rounds into the apartment. They say they were acting in self-defense. None of them have been indicted in connection with her death. Senator Harris, in the case of Breonna Taylor, was justice done? You have two minutes. 
I don't believe so. And I've, I've talked with Brianna's mother, Tamika Palmer, and her family. And her family deserves justice. She was a beautiful young woman. She had as her life goal to become a nurse, and she wanted to become an EMT to first learn what's going on out on the street so she could then become a nurse and save lives. And her life was taken unjustifiably and tragically and violently. And it just, it, it brings me to, you know, the eight minutes and 46 seconds that America witnessed, during which an American man was tortured and killed under the knee of an armed, uniformed police officer. And people around our country of every race, of every age, of every gender, perfect strangers to each other, marched shoulder to shoulder, arm in arm, fighting for us to finally achieve that ideal of equal justice under law. And I was a part of those peaceful protests. And I believe strongly that, first of all, we are never going to condone violence, but we always must fight for the values that we hold dear, including the fight to achieve our ideal. And that's why Joe Biden and I have said on this subject, look, and I'm a, I'm a former career prosecutor. I know what I'm talking about. Bad cops are bad for good cops. We need reform of our policing in America and our criminal justice system, which is why Joe and I will immediately ban chokeholds and carotid holds. George Floyd would be alive today if we did that. We will require a national registry for police officers who break the law. We will, on the issue of criminal justice reform, get rid of private prisons and cash bail, and Thank we you. will decriminalize marijuana, and we will, we will expunge the records of those who have Thank been you, convicted of marijuana. This Thank is the time Senator for leadership Harris. on a tragic, tragic issue Harris, of unarmed black people in America. Thank you, Senator know. Harris. Vice President Pence, let me pose the same question to you. In the case of Breonna Taylor, was justice done? You have two minutes uninterrupted. Well, our heart breaks for the loss of innocent, any innocent American life. And the family of Brianna Taylor has our sympathies. But I, I trust our justice system, a grand jury that refused the evidence. And it really is remarkable that as a former prosecutor, you would assume that an impaneled grand jury looking at all the evidence got it wrong. But uh, you're entitled to your opinion, Senator. I think, look, and with regard to George Floyd, there, there's no excuse for what happened to George Floyd. And justice will be served. But there's also no excuse for the rioting and looting that followed. I mean, it, it really is astonishing. Flora Westbrook is with us here tonight in Salt Lake City. Just a few weeks ago, I stood at what used to be uh, her salon was burned to the ground by rioters and looters. And, and Flora is still trying to put her life back together. And I must tell you, this, this, this presumption that you hear consistently from Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, that, uh, that America is systemically racist, yeah. and that, as Joe Biden said, that he believes that law enforcement has an implicit bias against minorities, is, is a great insult 
to the men and women who serve in law enforcement, and I want everyone to know who puts on the uniform of law enforcement every day, that President Trump and I stand with you. And it is remarkable that, that when Senator Tim Scott tried to pass a police reform bill, brought together a group of Republicans and Democrats, Senator Harris, you got up and walked out of the room. And then you filibustered Senator uh, Tim Scott's bill on the Senate floor that would have provided new accountability, new repeat resources, but we don't have to choose between supporting law enforcement, proving public safety, and supporting our African-American neighbors you, and all of our minorities. Under President Trump's leadership, you, we will always stand with law enforcement and we'll do what we think President, they want and to improve the up. lives of African-Americans. Thank you, Vice Record President. unemployment, record President, investments President, in education, and the fight for school choice for all of our members. Thank you, Vice President. I'd like to respond. Senator Harris. I will not sit here and be lectured by the Vice President on what it means to enforce the laws of our country. I am the only one on this stage who has personally prosecuted everything from child sexual assault to homicide. I'm the only one on this stage who has prosecuted the big banks for taking advantage of America's homeowners. I'm the only one on this stage who prosecuted for profit colleges for taking advantage of our veterans. And the reality of this is that we are talking about an election in 27 days where last week the President of the United States took a debate stage in front of 70 million Americans and refused to condemn white supremacists. Not true. And Not true. it wasn't like he didn't have a chance. He didn't do it, and then he doubled down. And then he said, when pressed, stand back, stand by. And this is a part of a pattern of Donald Trump's. He, he, was, he called Mexicans racist and criminals. He instituted as his first act a Muslim ban. He, on the issue of Charlottesville, where people were peacefully protesting the need for racial justice, where a young woman was killed. And on the other side, there were neo-Nazis carrying tiki torches, shouting racial epithets, anti-Semitic slurs. And Donald Trump, when asked about it, said, there were fine people on both sides. This is who we have as the president of the United States. And America, you deserve better. Joe Biden will be a president who brings our country together Senator Harris. And, and, and recognizes the beauty in our diversity and the fact that Senator we all Harris, have so you. much more in common than what separates us. Vice President, let me give you a minute to respond. Thank you, Susan. I appreciate that very much. You know, I think this is one of the things that uh, makes people dislike the media so much in this country, Susan, that you selectively edit, just like Senator Harris did, comments that President Trump and I and others on our side of the aisle make. I mean, Senator Harris conveniently admitted that after the president made comments about people on either side of the debate over monuments, he condemned the KKK, neo-Nazis, and white supremacists, and has done so repeatedly. You're concerned that he doesn't condemn neo-Nazis. President Trump has Jewish grandchildren. His daughter and son-in-law are Jewish. This is a president who, who respects and cherishes all of the American people. But you talk about having personally prosecuted. I'm glad you brought up your record, Senator. Thank you. But that's, I, I really need to make this point. When you, were, when you were DA in San Francisco, when you left office, 
African Americans were 19 times more likely to be prosecuted for minor drug offenses than whites and Hispanics. When you were Attorney General you. of California, Thank you, you increased the, purport, the disproportionate incarceration of Thank blacks you. in California. Yes. You did nothing on criminal justice reform in California. You didn't lift a yes. finger Thank to pass you. the first step back on Capitol Hill. I mean, the reality is your record speaks you, for itself. President. President Trump and I have fought for criminal justice reform. Thank you, Vice President. We fought for education of choice and opportunities for African Americans, all of our members. Thank you, sir. And we'll do it for four Thank you. You know, there is no more important issue than the final issue that we're going to talk about tonight, and that is the issue of the election but, but, itself. No, he attacked my record. I would like an opportunity okay. to respond. Let me give you 30 seconds because, we, because we're running out of time. I appreciate that. First of all, having served as the Attorney General of the State of California, the work that I did is a model of what our nation needs to do and we will be able to do under a Joe Biden presidency. Our, our agenda includes what this administration has failed to do. It will be about not only instituting a ban on chokeholds and carotid holes. Thank you. Not only, Thank you, Senator. I would like to go through. These are points that you made earlier in the hour, and I want to talk about the election itself before we have to. But I want to talk about the connection between what Joe and I will do and my record, which includes I was the first statewide officer to institute a requirement that my agents would wear body cameras and keep them on full time. We were the first to initiate a, a requirement that there would be a training for law enforcement on implicit bias because, yes, Joe Biden and I recognize that implicit bias does exist, Mr. Vice President, contrary to what you may believe. We did the work of instituting reforms that were about investing in reentry. This is the work that we have done and the work we will do going forward. And again, I will not be lectured by the Vice President on our record of what we have done in terms of law enforcement and keeping our communities safe and a commitment to reforming the criminal justice system of America. Thank you, Senator Harris. And I'd like to pose the first, I'd like you to respond first to the question on our final topic, the election itself. President Trump has several times refused to commit himself to a peaceful transfer of power after the election. If your ticket wins and President Trump refuses to accept a peaceful transfer of power, what steps would you and Vice President Biden then take? What would happen next? You have two minutes. So I'll tell you, um, Joe and I are particularly um, proud of the coalition that we've built around our campaign. We probably have one of the broadest coalitions of folks that you've ever seen in a presidential race. Of course, we have the support of Democrats, but also independents and Republicans. In fact, um, seven members of uh, President George W. Bush's cabinet are supporting our ticket. Yeah. Uh, we have the support of, of Colin Powell, Cindy McCain, John Kasich, um, over 500 uh, generals, retired generals and, and former national security experts and advisors are supporting our campaign. And I believe they are doing that because they know that Joe Biden has a deep, deep-seated commitment to fight for our democracy and to fight for the integrity of our democracy and to bring integrity back to the White House. And so we believe in the American people. We believe in our democracy. And here's what I'd like to say to everybody. Vote, please vote, vote early. Come up with a plan to vote. Go to IWillVote.com. You can also go to, to JoeBiden.com. We have it within our power in these next 27 days 
to make the decision about what will be the course of our country for the next four years. And it is within our power, and if we use our vote, and we use our voice, we will win. And we will not let anyone subvert our democracy with what Donald Trump has been doing, as he did on the debate stage last week, when again in front of 70 million people, he openly attempted to suppress the vote. Joe Biden, on the other hand, on that same debate stage, because clearly Donald Trump doesn't think he can run on a record because it's a failed record, Joe Biden on that stage said, hey, just please vote. So I'll repeat what Joe said, please vote. Thank you, Senator. Vice President Pence, President Trump has several times refused to commit himself to a peaceful transfer of power after the election. If Vice President Biden is declared the winner and President Trump refuses to accept a peaceful transfer of power, what would be your role and responsibility as Vice President? What would you personally do? You have two minutes. Well, Susan, first and foremost, I think we're going to win this election. Because while uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris rattle off a long litany of the establishment in Washington, D.C., an establishment that Joe Biden's been a part of for 47 years. President Donald Trump has, has launched a movement of everyday Americans from every walk of life. And uh, I have every confidence that those, those same Americans that delivered that historic victory in 2016, they see this president's record where we rebuild our military. We revived our economy through tax cuts and rolling back regulation, fighting for fair trade, unleashing American energy. We appointed conservatives to our federal courts at every level. And, and we stood with the men and women of law enforcement every single day. And I think, I think that movement of Americans has only grown stronger in the last four years. But when you talk about accepting the outcome of the election, um, I, I must tell you, uh, Senator, your party has spent the last three and a half years trying to overturn the results of the last election. It's amazing. When Joe Biden was vice president of the United States, the FBI actually spied on President Trump and my campaign. I mean, there were documents released this week that the CIA actually made a referral uh, to the FBI documenting that those allegations were coming from the Hillary Clinton campaign. And, of course, we've all seen the avalanche, the, what, what you put the country through for, for the better part of, of three years until it was found that there was no obstruction, no collusion, case closed. And then, Senator Harris, you and your colleagues in the, in the Congress uh, tried to impeach the President of the United States over a phone call. And now Hillary Clinton has actually said to Joe Biden that, under, in her words, under no circumstances should he concede the election. So let me just say, I think we're going to win this election. President Trump and I are fighting every day in courthouses to prevent Joe Biden and Kamala Harris from changing the rules and creating this universal mail-in voting that will create a massive opportunity for voter fraud. We have a free and fair election. Uh, we know we're going to have confidence in it. And I believe in all my heart that President Donald Trump's going to be reelected for four more years. You know, I've, uh, I've, asked, I've written all the questions that I've asked tonight. But for the final question of the debate, I'd like to um, write a, uh, read a question that someone else wrote. The Utah Debate Commission asked students in the state to write essays about what they would like to ask you. And I want to close tonight's debate with the question posed by Brecklin Brown. She's an eighth grader at Springville Junior High in Springville, Utah. And here's what she wrote, quote, when I watch the news, all I see is arguing between Democrats and Republicans. When I watch the news, all I see is citizen fighting against citizen. 
When I watch the news, all I see are two candidates from opposing parties trying to tear each other down. If our leaders can't get along, how are the citizens supposed to get along? And then she added, your examples could make all the difference to bring us together, end quote. So to each of you in turn, I'd like you to take one minute and respond to Brecklin. Vice President Pence, you have one minute. Brecklin, it's a wonderful question. And um, let me just commend you for taking an interest in, in public life. I, I started uh, following the news when I was very young. And in America, we believe in a free and open exchange of debate. Uh, and we celebrate that. And it's how we've created literally the freest and most prosperous nation in the history of the world. And I, 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 I would tell you that um, don't assume that what you're seeing on your local news networks is synonymous with the American people. You know, I look at the relationship between Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the late justice who we just lost from the Supreme Court, and the late Justice Antonin Scalia. They were on polar opposites on the Supreme Court of the United States, one very liberal, one very conservative. But what's been learned since her passing was the two of them and their families were the very closest of firms. And here in America, we can disagree. We can debate vigorously, as Senator Harris and I have on this stage tonight. But when the debate is over, we come together as Americans. And that's what people do in big cities and small towns all across this country. So I just want to encourage you, Brecklin. I, I want to tell you that um, we're, we're going to work every day to have government as good as our people, and the American people each and every day. Love a good debate. We love a good argument. But we always come together and are always there for one another Thank you, in Congress. times of need. And we've especially learned that Thank through you, the Congress. difficulties of this year. Senator Harris, what would you say to Brecklin? Um, first of all, I, I love hearing from our young leader. And when I hear her words, when I hear your words, Brecklin, um, I know our future is bright because it is that perspective on who we are and who we should be. Um, that is a sign of leadership and is something we should all aspire to be. Um, and that, you know, that brings me to Joe. Joe Biden, one of the reasons that Joe decided to run for president is after Charlottesville, which we talked about earlier. Um, it so troubled him and upset him like it did all of us that there was that kind of hate and division. Um, what propelled Joe to run for president was to see that over the course of the last four years, what Brecklin described has been happening. Joe has a long-standing reputation of working across the aisle and working in a bipartisan way. Uh, and that's what he's gonna do as president. Joe Biden has a history of lifting people up and fighting for their dignity. I mean, you have to know Joe's story to know that Joe has known pain, he has known suffering, and he has known love. And so, Brecklin, when you think about the future, I do believe the future is bright. And it will be because of your leadership, and it will be because we fight for each person's voice through their vote, and we get engaged in this election because you have the ability through your work and through eventually your vote Thank you. to determine the future of our country and what its leadership looks like. Thank you. Senator Harris, thank you, Vice President Pence. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. We want to thank also the University of Utah for its hospitality 
And most of all, our thanks to all the Americans who watched this debate tonight. Again, our best wishes for a quick recovery to President Trump, the First Lady, and everyone who is battling COVID-19. The second presidential debate is next week on October 15th, a town hall-style debate in Miami. We hope you'll join us then. Good evening. Well, let's go ahead and bring in Suzette. Uh, let's see if I got the audio going. Suzette, are you there? I'm here. Thank you. Okay, great, great. Well, uh, that was a lot quieter debate uh, than the last one. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, I'm going to gather my notes together, and let's get your overall comment uh, about the debate tonight. I thought it was good. I thought it was Great. I thought Vice President Pence did an awesome job, um, and he remained calm, civil, and yeah, he just kept nailing her. He and he did it calmly, so it stuck. And and I just I enjoyed it very much. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely uh, definitely different. I I mean I do begrudgingly, I guess maybe. Uh, give her more kudos than what Wallace did. I mean, I think Wallace did an absolutely horrid uh, job of uh, monitoring <laughs> the debate. Uh, I did. I think yeah. he did uh, an awful job. Uh, she did, I did, she did much I, better. I didn't. I did notice yeah. a few things that she did that seemed to favor uh, Kamala. Yeah. That that's. Um, I, I guess uh, because we're a lot. Of, same-minded people, I, that's almost a given right there, were to expect from these moderators. Um, I thought that the questions uh, were lacking in substance um, as to the issues that are important to the American people and hammering more of an agenda-type um, questions. And, yeah, but I agree with what he said. Thank you. And this is my, you know, kind of my first time, at least uh, for a while, to, you know, do a debate, you know, do a show kind of like this. Um, uh, I, I know Kelly uh, tried to chime in or call me about chiming in, um, but he, uh, I guess people got, uh, yeah, uh, he's asking about three-way calling. He's probably going to have to reach out to you to do that. Um, uh, if, he, if he could do that. So I'll, I'll see if he could reach out uh, to you, that. Okay. I will I'll reach uh, out. No, oh, okay. Cool. And then I'll keep your mic on, though, and then less is better if I just t t uh, turn yours off while you three-way call them. Sounds good. Okay. Just uh, 
just send me a text when you're ready for me to bring it back in. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, it looks like that she did have, you know, I think that one thing I did notice, and I think she tried to correct it. I'm talking about the moderator corrected this towards the end. Uh, was she was talking about, uh, you know, she kept saying without interruption, without interruption, without interruption. And she kept saying that, you know, with when she was introducing the question for Kamala Harris. And again, during the end, I didn't make a tally. Maybe I should have. Um, but it is something that that she did. Now, I do think that some of the snowball questions uh, for Harris, you know, then then – then for Pence, I mean, I know some folks are going to say, well, that's because they really don't have a presidential record to go on. It's usually going to be seem tougher to be, you know, on the president you know, on the presidential candidates, uh, you know, because they're going to be talking more about them. A lot of elections are referendums on the president uh, and, and what their their job is. So, I mean, I, I get that part. Um, and so, but, you know, just going down the debate, I mean, one of the things that we talked about in the beginning of the show, and, you know, and I've seen that it, it did permeate some, at least in the first question uh, that she asked for, you know, asked Kamala Harris. And, you know, of course, we we're talking about, you know, about COVID, you know, talk, you know, and I, I did write down, write all the questions, but you watched the, you watched the debate. You know, so of course, you know they're talking about all. The, of course, they give it a, the litany that all the numbers that we've already heard. You know, we already heard all the the numbers with all the deaths and things of that nature. Uh, one of the things they didn't talk about, and I wish I wish uh, Pence would have brought this up, uh, but what they didn't talk about was the survival rate. Uh, and the, the, what they didn't talk about was survival rate. Now, one of the things I'm surprised that Harris didn't bring up, but I think maybe that might be because it's a losing topic for them is when they're talking about, which is like, oh, well, Trump, because the media was foaming at the mouth or about Trump ripping off his mask. You know, remember that Cuomo made this big production of it, right? Chris Cuomo made this big production of it. And, you know, about him, you know, getting out of Walter Reed. And they really didn't say much about that, which I was kind of surprised, where she, when she told uh, that she didn't mock Trump for saying, you know, you know, not not to be dominated by this, and and I think they actually are finally realizing this after all, you know, two days of, you know, of mocking Trump for saying, and they're probably thinking, oh wait a minute, um, maybe we are acting. People, you know, try. People are realizing that we want them to be afraid. We want them to be weak. And and what Trump was doing, say, look, don't be dominated. Don't be dom- Don't feel dominated. Or be dominated by the COVID virus. That's all he was saying. But they want people to be afraid, at least during the election they want people to be afraid, because why? In the beginning of that you – know, and it's not just her. You see where, you know, you, you see where she was trying to you know, do, you know, put the fear in the people, what they, they, they're always been doing. And so I noticed that, you know, of, of course. You know, and they're talking about the vaccines, and I tell you what, Pence – I think Pence had a really good night. If, if you had to ask me, and I know this is going to sound biased, uh, because, yes, I support Trump, Pence. Uh, now, and I said, I don't know if I really said this, but I said it on the debate with uh, uh, Trump and Biden. Now, I even told people around me during that, I thought Biden won that debate. I don't know if I said that on the air, but that night I watched the debate, and upon further reflection, I thought, eh, maybe he didn't. But on the night of the debate, 
I would have announced Biden as the winner of that debate, just because uh, Trump, you know, seemed out, almost not out of control, um, but I think he could have stayed within the parameters a lot better than what he did. Okay, so but this one uh, with Pence, I think Pence clearly he stayed calm, and I think that he stayed past the time, but not too long with it. With passing the time, and I think he was using that as an equalizer, realizing that she really was giving Kamala Harris, uh, you know, more uh, yeah more time than him. So I think he was equaling the playing field, and I think you know I still think that the moderator was siding more towards Harris, but I think he made up for that in a positive way. I don't think he came across as being what some would say Trumpian, you know, or whatever, or overbearing, or or some call him you know a clown. Or I don't think. That came across with Pence, but you know. But if you look at her, I mean, if you, if you watch the debates again, look at her facial. And again, they want to talk about Trump, and, and, and it's not quite you know apples to apples. Uh, is is you know just look at her uh, facial expressions, and there's twice, and there is twice where she. Uh, and see, I don't know how many people caught this, but let me know uh, if you caught this. Is that okay? And so let me go ahead and bring. I'm gonna open up your mic, uh, Suzette. And, but I don't know if people caught this, but I certainly did, is there were two instances where and, – and are you on your line, Kelly? Are you on the line, Suzette? I'm here. Okay, great. And I mean Suzette is too. Now, there were two instances where, as people look back on it, is where she insulted the intelligence of the American people. There were two instances where she insulted – the intelligence of the American people. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was we with, have with that too. It was like a scowl on her face. Uh, a couple other times well, too. Well, which, which just like um, she, uh, yeah, the first one, yeah, the first where she was, she did it was, and I, I'm gonna. This is a little bit later on the bait, uh, but what she said by explaining what that is, and she goes, and and she looks into the camera, talking to the American people, and she's and she said. When she talked about Trump and owing money or such, she's like, and she's like, and debt is when you owe other people money. It's just the American people didn't know that. Right. Yeah, we know what debt is. Let's be honest. Most people in America, including myself, we're in debt. We're in some type of debt, whether it's student loans, whether it's a mortgage. Guess what, Kamala Harris? We know what debt is. And for you to say, oh, Trump is in debt, we're like, yeah, okay. Okay, here's the thing. So is, the, so is the government of the United States of America is in debt. So by saying, you know, oh, Trump's in debt, who cares? So is America. So is almost every American citizen is in debt, or the vast majority of all of us. But for her to be like, you, you know what debt is, right? That debt is when you owe people money. And then the second time that she insulted the American people, again, looking to them, and uh, where was that where she insulted us again? Where, let's see, I'm looking through my notes, which is like, and you know it, which she was talking about the lies, which I think uh, Pence did, I wish he would address it directly, but the lies, but he did talk about the media and why so many people don't trust the media is when their lies about those bounties, right, about, all oh, the, the Russians put bounties on American soldiers' heads, and then she looks into the camera and she goes, you know what a bounty is, don't you, and then goes to define or describe a bounty. Like, yeah, we, we, we American people, we've been so dumbed down by the public school system, at least this is where I think they want us to be, or maybe, or perhaps, th- 
American people. Is that we're dumb. We don't know what a bounty is. We need Kamala Harris to tell us what a bounty is. We need Kamala Harris to tell us what that is, because frankly, she don't think we're smart enough to know. She has to define for us what debt and what a bounty is. And I'm thinking, really? We, we, we know. I mean, I don't know. So that's twice, you know, she, she talked down uh, to, the Ameri- you know, to the American people uh, dur- during this debate. And uh, so let me go ahead and open up to you, Kelly. Uh, you know, you watch debate. I don't know if you, you and your uh, girlfriend has been keeping you away from the show. Uh, shame on her. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, it's been keeping you away from the show. But uh, did you get an opportunity to watch uh, in part or all the debate tonight? Well, my lady friend's a friend, and uh, we were in South Dakota last week. But, yeah, I watched the debate. Yeah, well, we hear you. We and, hear you, Kelly. Go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so we watched We watched the debate, or I, I watched the debate. We watched it when we were in South Dakota. But uh, the first debate was a disaster. Mike Wallace just doesn't seem to have any gonads to take control and, hey, stop, you know. We just, you know. So that was a disaster last week. This one came off very peaceful, very nice. Um, I would say Kamala Harris was a little more respectful regarding the time. Trump uh, Pence did continue on. I did both. I did like well, both because you gave her more time. Stuff. Go ahead. <laughs> oh well, that could be. Um, but yeah, the the host was uh, obviously biased. Uh, but it was a lot more respectful. Oh, yeah. Better, I think a lot better demeanor. And Pence, I knew I expected him to be, you know, very polite and respectful. And, uh, but yeah, Kamala, I mean, that's just interesting. And that stupid question at the end will Trump uh, be, uh, will he do the, trans, the peaceful transition of power? Should he lose? You know what that is? That's just a spin question. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. that's a, oh, you know, Trump, you're going to lose, so are you going to be transferred? No, he's not going to lose. So Trump handled it, and Pence handled it pretty well also. Mm-hmm. Peace transition of power. Because all it was is a complete ploy, a complete game to, uh, well, you're going to lose, so are you going to be peacefully trans? No, you, you, come on, people. So... She asked him, what will you do if he doesn't respect the peaceful transfer of power? What will you do? And it's like, what do you mean, what will you do? (laughs) What kind of a question is that? Yeah, that was definitely a a gotcha question. But the the, the fact of the matter is, is, uh, Kamala Harris didn't answer. I'm sorry, go ahead. uh, ahead. I was just saying, as far as what do they expect, you know, what type of answer do they want? Oh, well, we're going to get the military to walk him out, you know, or the police or whatever. I mean, what will you do? I don't know. <laughs> but, but that's Let's what the Democrat base. Well, that's what. Go ahead. That's what the Democrat base wants. That's what the Democrat base wants. I mean, they want they wanted them to say, "Oh, well, we'll get the military, we'll get the police, or we'll we'll drag them out." I mean, that's what they wanted to. That's what they wanted to say. But yeah, here's the thing: these Democrats know damn good and well if Trump were to be a loser, if the, they're able to steal the election, uh, which would be more likely if they have victory than than, than stealing it somehow. Uh, that they know that there's not going to be a, 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 an unpeaceful power. You know, it, it just they, they they know that's not going to happen. Um, so, uh, oh, that's Jim Condit Jr. trying to call me while we're doing the show. 
Uh, <laughs> I texted him earlier, but I was hoping to get him on. I don't know if he could do a three-way call with you, Kelly. <laughs> try to get the gang all here. That's why I try to get the uh, the call out earlier. But yeah, it's the first time I've done this, or, or if, it, if it isn't, it's been a long time since I've done it. And most people are at, uh, you know, with this, this earlier show, which I, I wish I could do earlier shows more. I think that'd be better for for a lot of people, including myself. Um, but you know, yeah. So anyway, back to our question. That was definitely uh, that was definitely a gotcha, a gotcha in a, a moment um, where you know. But but again, Kamala Harris didn't answer it either. And you know, going back you know, through that as we're talking about uh, about vaccines, right? And when she talked about how well, you know, I was I was waiting that she didn't do it, but how, Harris didn't say anything about mandatory vaccines, which was kind of surprised. Um, but one of the things I noticed that she mentioned, which she ta- the moderator, when they're, I mean, I, I, she totally, now she talked about uh, Trump ha- having COVID, right? But one thing, you know, well, but of course, but people don't, at least on the left, that there's anything wrong with Biden. What I noticed is that she didn't mention anything about the speculation about Biden having cognitive, any kind of uh, cognitive difficulties. The, the moderator didn't even mention it. When they were talking about the health, you know, of the president, she mentioned Donald Trump and his COVID, but she had no mention about the speculation about, you know, him, you know, about his possible, you know, mental decline or his mental difficulties at least. Well, she put it in a different way as far as the American people should know about um, their medical history, you know, um, she did, but she didn't mention it by name. Right, right. You're you're right about that. And it seemed yeah, like any time she started to actually dig into Kamala Harris's record or history, that she what he uh, the moderator kept wanting to cut him off when he finally started to dig in to uh, some truth. And she, thank you, thank you, Mr. Vice President. Thank you, Mr. Vice President. It's like, well, we'll let him get it out. <laughs> Why don't you want the American people to know? And I am getting a response from Jim. And he's wanting to know if uh if the show over, um uh, but he wanted me to give him a call, but the show is still going on, but I'll I'll try to call him later if I know he's got busy with, with, with some things. So yeah, so I mean and that's the thing. I mean they mentioned it's unfortunate, I mean I'm not but not surprising that you know, they mentioned COVID, which I know is the big thing in the news, but there has been a real big thing in the news talking about, uh, you know, about the, the cognitive difficulties of Biden. But that wasn't something that, you know, that they brought up about. The, and, and again, as we stated in the beginning of the show, is that there's a very good chance, regardless of who's winning, that one of those two people, here's something for the American people to think of, is. Those two people you saw tonight, they have a big possibility of whoever gets in that they will be the president of the United States before the first term or, you know, before this term, the four-year term, is over. So they might even be the president without even running for president. That is a distinct possibility for both of them, and I think that it's more distinct possibility for Harris than it is Pence. 
who the American people, especially those undecided, which I know they're small out there, and independents, and let's say third-party people, okay, because we got a lot of folks, we got a lot of people who follow the show that are independents or, you know, third-party people, and you know I support those. Anyway, we're not going to get into that right now. But it's going to be one of those two, okay, will be the vice president, and then I think eventually the president. Which one of those two do you really see being your president? Pence or Kamala Harris? Who do you think would be better for you as a president? And one of the things, and, and I put here on the blog talk radio description, how you can see the stark contrast at what these two said during the debate. And then I'll bring it over, uh, over to you, uh, that your comments on this. Is that if you go out to the debate, you kept hearing okay. from Pence, the people you know, everyone kept hearing from Pence, how much they put their trust in the American people. What the American people can do for the nation. And what did you hear more from Kamala Harris? What the government can do for them. The reliance on the government. That's, that, that's a lot of what you're choosing for. Do you want to have a nation where you have the, the citizens of the nation rely on themselves for the betterment of their country or have to rely on the government for the benefit of their lives? And remember, that's about control. You know, so if you rely on somebody, they have a sense of control over you because you rely, you rely on your well-being. Would you rely on yourself for your well-being, and the Republicans and, and Trump Pence will set things up for that, or do you want, you know, leaders who are going to set things up where you're going to be dependent on them? That I think is a big part of the choice of this election. Yes, is that? I would say Vice President Pence would be my choice, and that is because. You are absolutely right as far as the, the difference the, between the two, the contrast would be that the Kamala Biden administration is more of an activist uh, administration, should they win, versus the uh, Pence-Trump administration. And I know it should be the other way around, but since it was the debate of the vice president uh, candidate, right. that's why I'm putting it away. But anyway... Um, so the Pence and Trump would be more of a returning more power to the states, which is the people, uh, to govern their own lives as intended under the Constitution. Um, and, to re- you know, they would respect the Constitution. Basically, the country itself would get government out of our business, <laughs> our daily lives. Mm-hmm. Um, it... it um, It promotes an upward mobility for everyone, for Americans to have the chance and the opportunity, most importantly, the opportunity to thrive should they decide to get off their butt and do something, the opportunity, to it will be there. Um, There, as far as division goes, the activism is the country's divider, whereas sovereignty is a uniter. And so that's the difference. Trump, Pence, sovereignty. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, activism and division. Only to achieve more power while the people are basically looking to them for everything, as you said, dependency. And uh, 
remember, whatever they give you, they can take away just as fast, and you will be left with nothing at, at their calling. So that's a huge yeah, exactly. difference right there. <laughs> Thomas, uh, Great point. Thomas Jefferson once said, a government big enough to give you everything you want is also big enough to take everything you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. and the contrast of fear, 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 fear. Um, there was uh, I listened to a YouTube video by Liz. I want to say Connolly. Is that right? Well, she's on One American News. She's a blonde, really sharp. And she says, you know, the left is fear, 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 fear. Mm-hmm. Now, it's global warming and the Green New Deal, which is just a real cloak for socialism. And so this constant fear, 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 mm-hmm. Kamala Harris' husband walks up on stage wearing the mask. You know, let's bring fear into America. Come on, I'm so tired of it. I mean, what what has fear accomplished? Gee, if I really become afraid, I won't get out of bed and I won't get work done. I'm going to have a contractor yelling at me tomorrow because he needs some grade stakes for his construction project. You know, fear, fear, fear. No, how about opportunity, opportunity, opportunity? You know, how about you make your own way and... This project, I'm charging 99 bucks an hour. That's opportunity. I work, I work my butt off for that. To have the engineering skills, the degree, and all the tests I had to take, because I wanted an opportunity. Jeez, I, I, I and you know what? I, I love how Pence uh, said, you know, you Democrats have spent the last three and a half years trying to reverse an election. Mm-hmm. The right thing. There's no, it's a nothing burger. Now, come on. I mean, the way he did it was, was polite, but he brought out that fact. Oh, and yeah. They're already, the they're already they're, they have, to some degree, I don't know, 5, 10, 15 percent. They have, they have crippled the Trump administration because of their, oh, Russian collusion. He's not a legitimate president. Oh, yep. And they're setting it up again. They're setting this up again to do this. You know they are. Well, since we can't reverse an election, let's cripple the president in every mm-hmm. way possible. And uh, she tried to – Kamala tried to blame the corona on Trump. And uh, right. that unprecedented thing that Trump did is, look, we're going to lock down no more Chinese coming into the country. Bam. Yeah, she didn't have a comeback for that, did she? No, she didn't. She had a number of things she couldn't come back. You know, I loved it when Pence said, uh, well, Kamala accused Trump, oh, you guys have lost the war of trade uh, against China. And people are hurting and losing jobs and da-da-da-da-da. And then uh, uh, Pence wisely said, at least Trump fought against China, whereas Biden is a cheerleader for China. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was a good one. That was a good yeah. one. Like at least he tried, uh-huh. right? I mean, and and it's still not a flop. I mean, it's, it's going to take time, but well, it's not a flop at all. I mean, on the intellectual property, as in patents and trademarks and all sorts of mm-hmm. technology. Right. Oh my gosh, the Chinese! And I've heard this from other people who invented patents. 
The Chinese look up online the U.S. Patent Office. Gee, what did the Americans invent for us today? They reverse engineer it, and then they send and they manufacture it and send it over here. I mean, this theft of intellectual property, and by the way, in the last few years, over 80% of the corporate espionage, as in stealing technologies and corporations, have been Chinese. They take our secrets, they work for a company, and then they take they take all the intellectual property they can, mm-hmm. and they go back to China with right. it. Well, there's been a whole bunch of arrests to stop this intellectual theft. It's mind-blowing. So what would Biden have done? Nothing. Like, come on. Oh, wait, he was vice president. What did he do with Obama? You know, and then they brought up Iran. Oh, you know, nuclear. And the, who set up Iran and gave them uh, billions of dollars so they could get their nuclear program going? Oh, that would be Obama. And and so Kamali is trying to to put it off on uh, the Trump administration. Like, that was just junk. It's so mind-blowing. Lies, lies, fear is fear. Lie, lie, fear. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, that's all right, dude. I hope most Americans did. I guess we'll find out. Come here 27 days. Well, and, and one of the things, you know, on, on that question about, well, would you be ready to be the president of the United States again? I mean, I, I wish uh, Pence would have said this, but I mean, again, he is the only person on that stage who has executive uh, experience. She doesn't. And then also, it, it's for, it seemed like what she tried, besides being a prosecutor, and, and it seemed, you know, it seemed like that she kept repeating, well, I was the first woman to do this, or I was the first colored, or and she lied again, calling herself black, which, to my understanding, she's not actually black. Uh, and, you know, it's like, oh, but your qualification is that you were the first woman to do this, or you were the first woman to that. Well, yes, that is, that is an accomplishment. Yes, that is certainly an accomplishment if you were the first to regardless. Whatever accomplished it is, if you're the first person to do it, you know, that's an accomplishment. Whether it's based off of your race or your gender, great. That is an accomplishment. But is that accomplishment something that rises to the level of being the president of the United States of America? And it doesn't. Being the first to do something doesn't make you qualified to be the, to be the, the head of the, the leader of the world at this point. You know, hopefully it stays that way for you know a long, long time, forever maybe. Uh, but certainly that's just, that's not qualification to be president. And let me tell you, as I stated, whoever gets you know whoever gets elected, the person will be. I, I really do believe that person will be president within the first four years of you know of that of that uh, administration. They'll be the president. That person, one of those people we heard tonight, within the next four years. I, I truly believe will be the president of the United States. Uh, I think uh, with Trump, less likely, and if it is, it would be maybe within three years when that would happen, uh, if it would happen. Uh, with, but with, with Biden, it would be one year. Uh, and even if not, even if Trump does get the full four years, I used to think, nah, Biden ain't going to run. I mean, I'm Biden. Nah, Trump ain't going to run for – gosh, I can't uh, – Pence isn't going to run for president. He's not going to run 2024. But after seeing him these past four years, I mean, I really didn't, as you guys know, support Pence that much as, as the um, you know, as the VP. But he's really I, – I think he's really grown into that position. I really do. Uh, 
And so you know, maybe he'll run in you know four years, but we'll we'll see. And then of course you know all I got here you know she's just throwing her softball questions, you know, and you just look over the question. You know, I wish I would have wrote down the exact question, but you know of course she was throwing some more you know more softball questions on that. Um, and then of course they talked about you know the economy, and you know I like how you know. Trump shut them down when they talked about the Green New Deal. She's like, oh, no, we're not talking about that Green New Deal, and, and we're not talking about ending fracking. And I love when Trump – and then I'll bring it over used to that. Uh, I love when Pence was like, look, don't – basically he was like, don't take my word for it. You know, find the videos. He's like, do research. He's like, do research. Just, just all you got to do is just, just go to YouTube. I think he said, actually said that. I think he said go to YouTube and look at YouTube. You'll see – You'll see him, you know, even quote him says, I guarantee that I will end fracking or I will end fossil fuels. Um, it's like, well, look, which one is it? You, you, you pledge that you're not going to, but then you have people. I loved when Pence did that. I, I really do. It's like, look, just look it up. It's right there for you to see. <laughs> which is like her. One thing which it would have brought up when it comes to the uh, health care is I wish really, I really wish Pence would have brought up, look, and you can see on her debates, Kamala Harris wants to get rid of uh, employer-sponsored health care. That's 180 – let me tell you something. If everyone on employee-sponsored health care would vote for Trump, there would be a huge landslide. But that's what they want to do. That's what Kamala Harris wants to do. She wants to get rid of everyone who is on employee-sponsored health care and get rid of it. I wish you would have brought that up. As long as I wish mm-hmm. when they talk about COVID deaths, they bring up this is a republic, and a lot of what happens within the state falls upon the, the, the responsibility of the governors of that state. Why no one ever mentions that? No, I mean, Trump and Pence don't mention it either. You know, this is a republic. A lot of what happens when it comes to COVID deaths in the, in the economy and the country has to fall on the responsibility of the governors and the mayors of these cities and states. I don't know why that was never brought up. Well, yeah, there's a lot of things, you know. <clears throat> that stupid question at the end: uh, Will he, if he loses, will there be a peaceful transition of power? Right. I would counter that with a quotation. Pence. I would have countered that with a question. The question would be: If Biden loses the election, will he concede? You know, well, he did bring it up. Fire. He did bring. He did yeah. bring up when. Well, he, yeah, he did bring up. Pence did bring up when. Hillary Clinton did say to Biden, "Don't con- you know? Don't concede under any circumstances." You're right that you know that he, he could have asked that to kind of uh, add it to it, but he did bring that up. The Pence did bring that up about uh, Hillary Clinton saying that to, to Biden. Yeah, I you know some of these setup questions. Are mind blowing. Oh, but the Green New Deal. You know what's really. You know what's behind that. The Green New Deal. I mean, the Green New. What it is, is let's say they want to spend a couple trillion on environmental jobs. Okay. What they're trying to do is get the liberals and their unions tono work for tono donations. For tunnel control, mm-hmm. that's what it's about. It ain't about the environment. And these companies make so much profit; it's ridiculous. I agree. I agree. 
What about uh, when Pence had uh, directly addressed uh, Senator Harris about her packing the court, about her mm-hmm. colleagues wanting to pack the court, and she never answered the question. And even after yep. a second attempt, when she uh, avoided it again, tried to, to pivot and misdirect, um, he still got his two cents in and said, yep, she never answered the question. <laughs> Yeah, that's huge. Well, and, 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 and that, yeah, that's huge. Cause, and and they won't. And then they're, you know, she try. Oh, and then they try to compare themselves with, uh, with what, uh, with uh, Abraham Lincoln or who they try to compare themselves with. Yeah, with no, Abe Lincoln. Abe, yeah. Abe Lincoln. You know, at the end. Oh well, Abe Lincoln said this because it was 27 days. You know, whatever, whatever. Which I guess that was probably her. Her that was probably the best got you shot that she's got. You know, that that she has. That she had all night was probably that. But he could just say, look, that was his decision as, you know, that was his decision. Plus, he probably didn't have to deal with, you know, well, you know, well, oh, he would have been a great, like, well, you know what? I said he wasn't being, you know, he wasn't being threatened to, to stack the court, you know? Yeah. I said, that, you know, and also he was, and another, they didn't mention the Senate about trying to stack the Senate with adding on, you know, Puerto Rico. Which, through my understanding, Puerto Rico may – they think that Puerto Rico would give to Democrats, and I, I'm kind of leaning towards maybe that would be the case. But, uh, that, mm-hmm. that, might not, that might not have to be 100 percent in the bag for them to, to add Puerto Rico on. D.C., certainly. I mean, if they were able somehow, which I don't think it's constitutional, uh, add yeah. on D.C. as a state, uh, then, yeah, mm-hmm. that's certainly two senators right there. Uh, and I think it's probable for Puerto Rico, but – I don't know. Uh, I, I, don't, I mean, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's a done deal, but any stretch of imagination for it to be that. Um, and so, gosh, I, I keep I'm, I'm looking at the time and I'm like, oh wow, it's only eleven uh, uh, eleven. Uh, but that actually means we only have about seventeen minutes left of the show for tonight. As I said, I kind of like doing it early, but now I'm like, oh man. But. Uh, so we, we definitely got some more points to to, to go to. Um, you know, let's see. I want to bring up. I'm trying to do things in order here. Uh, well, of course, you know, she she definitely gave the moderator definitely gave I think uh, Harris more time to do rebuttals than she did uh, did Pence. That's why when Pence kind of went long, I really didn't mind as much because I think that you know she she gave more time to. To them, oh, it's mm-hmm. to Harris. I think the moderator. She finally would give uh, Pence. But one time she's like, "Oh, I'll give you 15 seconds," and I'm like, "What?" You might even heard me on there say, "What? 15 seconds?" If you're listening to the uh, to the show. Um, but one of the things, uh, let's bring it over to because again, we only got a, about 13 minutes less than that, about 11 before I have to close things out already. Uh, but of course, they, one of the big things I talked a little bit about, but not a lot, was foreign policy. And, you know, she tried to you talk, oh, well, foreign policy is about relationships. And then they were talking about, you know, oh, how the Pew, you know, thing, you know, the, how the, the America's standing and how the other nations think that, you know, our, our national standing has been at its lowest because of Trump. It's like, you know what? Of course it is. Yes. Okay, this might sound counterintuitive, but our American standing, supposedly, among our allies, okay, are lower than they were during the Obama administration. I think that's good. What, Robert? What the heck? Are you crazy? Why do you think that's good? 
Well, you know why are standing around with the other nations, including our allies, probably aren't, aren't as good as they were uh, during the Obama administration? America first policies. Of course they don't. Of course they don't want. Of course they don't like it as much as they did. They got to pay more money in NATO, like they should have been. Okay, They're, he's trying to make the deals more fair for the United States because he's not the leader of the you know of other nations. He's the leader of America. So if other nations don't have this as a higher as highest standing, it's not because all Trump tweets. Or what Trump says, it's because of the America First policy. You think those South American countries and Mexico like that? He's like, look, we got to limit this, uh, you know, the amount of illegal immigrants coming here because, you know, I don't know if it still stands, but there was a time when the second biggest income earner for the the nation of Mexico was people sending money from the United States. I'm talking about people who were living here sending their money back home to Mexico. That was their second biggest income earner for the nation is for us doing that. I mean, that, I don't know if that still holds, but I know there's, there's a time, and it was certainly during a time during the Obama administration when that was the case. And again, he brings up NATO. Well, yeah, the Democrats love to say, oh, well, they need to pay their fair share, but why don't they want you know the NATO nations to pay their fair share? They want to bitch, excuse my French, when we are bars logic after dark, but they want to bitch about how much we spend, how much military spending is. Well, one of the things that they don't, they don't ever talk about is how our, a part of our military spending is due to military aid to other countries. You know, so hey, if they spend more of their own money on their own defense, that's good for the United States, right? So, and of course, other nations are going to like that. Of course, our standing with them isn't going to be so nice because they're not getting as much money from us anymore. Absolutely. Absolutely. And not only that, but uh, our membership into the UN, which is being reduced now as far as the amount of money that we give um, that mm-hmm. was signed by Bush and then again by Obama administration to um, feed the hungry, feed the people in poverty help to take care of them in other countries, and we don't even take care of them here in our own country. What the hell is that about? So Trump is trying to pull us out completely, but because we have a, a permanent membership with the U- United Nations, um, and they even talked about it um, in um, Forbes, but um, that he is doing it, he's doing so by reducing the amount of money that's being sent to the United Nations. So by, by reducing those funds and then reducing them basically to nothing over time, um, and then that will end our membership. So it can't be done quickly. But yeah, so you know we're sending all this money out for military defense to help these people, and then also put our troops out there. So whenever anything happens in any of these countries, uh, we're also fighting alongside them. And so you know, yeah, for them to complain about the defense budget, but you notice they do pass it. They have passed it. So you know, it's hypocritical. Well, that's certainly on. That's the, that's the Democrats' probably uh, greatest skill is hypocrisy. Uh, and then you know, and, and of course, you know, I think something Pence did that was good. I'm, I know we're kind of running through it, but you know, with, with, with time constraints, is as I love when he told that person. I mean, I'm telling you what, I thought when he was talking about the um, Breonna Taylor story, and, and actually, I I'm, I live close to where that happened, relatively speaking. And let me tell you something. 
to my understanding of it, Brianna Taylor's boyfriend that shot the police was a drug dealer. So anyway, and her boyfriend was a drug dealer. So you should probably be careful with who you're hanging out with, you know, that being the case. And so one of the things we're talking about, but what Pence did is there's two things. I think with that question, I think that question hurt uh, uh, Kamala just because – Kelly, some background noise going on. I think that hurt because one, when she talked about cash bailouts, I don't, th- I don't know any law-abiding citizen that is for cash bailouts of criminals. You know, or ca- you know, get rid of cash bail for for criminals. Who's for that? I mean, really, I don't, I don't know mm-hmm. of any law-abiding citizens that are for that. But I tell you what, that personal, and she, she, you could see she struggled to come back from that personal story uh, that Pence told. About that girl, mm-hmm. you know, about the girl, and about you know, mm-hmm. if the Biden administration, the well, the Obama and Biden administration would have done something sooner, that little girl would be alive. She'd be alive if they would have done something sooner, and they didn't. I think that was a mm-hmm. wonderful story because I know with the debates you got to talk big picture, but I tell you what, mm-hmm. I think that story really brought it home to people. Hey, look, the the okay. Here's the thing, and this is the this is speaking to you know dads and moms. If you elect President Trump, I'm going to protect your little girl or your little boys too. But especially you know I'm going to that, seriously that's something I think that really hits home. I don't care if it sounds sexist or anything, and maybe it's only because I've got a daughter. But I tell you what, you look into a man's eyes, and you know, and and it's, they feel like something's out of their hand, and they tell you. This is an administration that's going to protect your child. They're going to protect your daughter. You know, for guys, again, I don't care if it sounds sexist. You tell a guy you're going to help them protect their daughters, they're going to love you. <laughs> you know, but they. But the thing is, is they got the people, but unfortunately, they, you know, they couldn't. No, because the Biden administration didn't do anything about it. You know, but Trump, but Trump at least got justice for it, which the Biden administration mm-hmm. wanted. Um, right. So, but I think that was a, a great story. But I do see, gosh darn, I got five minutes left to the show. Is that five or nine? Um, nine. Okay, so I got a little bit more um, on that. But I think that was, a, I think that was a losing for her. And then, of course, she talked about the uh, the Muslim ban, which I don't think that's going to do them any. Um, I don't, I don't think that's going to help out bring any independence. And in. I mean, they're talking about the oh, with the because it wasn't a Muslim ban. Uh, I, I wish the moderator. I know she was trying to stay out of it. But the moderator definitely was letting Kamala Harris get away with some lies. Um, mm-hmm. But be that as it may. Uh, but he called her on it, though. Pence did. called her on it because he said, you're not entitled to your <laughs> to your own facts. <laughs> yeah. And he did that a couple you're, yeah, of times. Yeah, you're entitled to your own good. opinion, but you're not entitled to your own facts, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, and, I really and like how Pence. Go ahead, Kelly. I like how Pence handled uh, you know, that, that girl that was murdered, you know, by the shot mm-hmm. and killed by the police. Um, he said, you know, it was looked at by a grand jury and they wouldn't even look at it. And you as a prosecutor should know this. So you're saying the grand right. jury was wrong? Oh, he hammered her on that one. And by the way, big <laughs> picture, big picture. Um, notice there wasn't a libertarian or a green party or constitution party. The commission on presidential debates only allows Republicans and Democrats. That's true. That is true. 
Now, that I wish was different. I do wish that was different. I think they should be heard, too. I definitely do. I mean, remember, we had those third-party debates here uh, streamed in here on Bard's Logic years ago. During 2012, we had those uh, debates streamed into the show. Um, and we, we even had a couple of the candidates, uh, the third-party candidates, uh, you know, who are running uh, was – and, show. and lastly, because we, you know, just a couple minutes on this, and then we have to do closing comments already. But uh, one of the things, I can't believe she thinks this is helping. Because I know there's a big thing like, ooh, there's Republicans that are voting for Biden. But look at the look at the Republicans who are voting for him. She mentions Kasich, seven of George Bush's cabinet. You know, ain't it funny that years ago, the Democrats hated Bush. They hated anything to do with Bush. But now they're happy that. Seven of Bush's cabinet members are voting for Biden. Well, wait a minute. I thought you hated Bush. I thought hey, I thought Bush was like uh, was you know because I remember they they touted he was like Hitler. So I thought you guys hated Bush. Wait a minute. Uh, so uh, you know, and then Kasich. Who cares? You know, and if they, if they think that's going to bring in independence, I think they're wrong too. Because independence, in my opinion, because I'm I am one. I'm, I mean, I'm probably more right, more Republican, but you know, in the Constitution Party, things like that, but. Independents are they're going to be like, look, I don't care because I, th- I think, and again, I, I can't speak for all the independents, but I think a, g- a good portion. Again, this is I'm, there's no scientific poll of this. This is just you know n- knowing the the mindset of of independents is not. But I would think is they're like, look, we don't care that these people Republicans have voted for Democrats. You know, now of course I'm, I don't want to be hypocritical. I do want to have full disclosure. I said I think there's Democrats who are going to vote for. Um, you know that I think you're going to vote for Trump, but I think that's because the, the the Democrat Party today is not the same party as JFK. It's just not. Um, now, whereas how that how that could be different from you know independents saying, oh well, Republicans voting for Democrats. The difference to that is is those are politicians. I'm talking about I'm talking about your you know your citizens, your you know non-governmental people, your not pol- your career politicians. Those people are on a different. They're in a different. Uh, as I said, I, I'll call them the political class. Uh, and so that, that's where I think there's a difference between that. And they're like, look, we don't care what the political class is doing. We want to see what the people are. But I do see we're really running out of time. We're running out of time quick. So I do want to give each of you about a minute to do closing comments. Uh, we'll do ladies first, you, Suzette, and then you, Kelly. And then, unfortunately, i got to close things out. And I really appreciate you guys coming to our special edition uh, for the vice presidential debate uh, and analysis. Go ahead, uh, Suzette. Uh, I, I just want to make um, a comment really quick about uh, the, the political scene. There were actually three Democrats, and I wish I could remember their names, that have actually congressmen uh, um, that had switched their party from Democrat to Republican. They left the Democrat Party. Now, Republicans voting for a Democrat is different than actually leaving the party. So they lost three people that have converted to Republican. They are now Republicans, registered Republicans. And also, um, at the ending question there, where they had to address that little girl's question from eighth grade, I thought Pence did a wonderful job at explaining he didn't, he wasn't condescending, and um, and he provided an, an outlook that gave hope or positivity. Whereas Kamala Harris had um, definitely created a division. Her answer was very divisive, and um, so I thought Pence did an excellent job, and I thought he won tonight. Back to you, Kelly. Thank you very much. Go ahead, Kelly. Oh, uh, I would have to lean, even though I'm not a Republican, I think I'd have to lean on Pence being the winner. 
just simply because Kamala Harris was just lying. You could just see that. And uh, But, you know, third party would be nice, but I don't know. See, the Commission on Presidential Debates, they should have – they should be investigated by the Sherman Antitrust Act and break that up so that they can't be so biased. But who's – going to do it, the Republican administration or the Democrat administration? You see, it's a catch-22. You can't get this commission on presidential debate out of out of power because the, the R's and D's know they're in the club. No other party is going to be in the club because of this. It's just mind-blowing. And I had this thought recently, you know, when America becomes very prosperous economically, Socialism seems attractive. But wait a minute. How did that prosperity come about? Because of free enterprise and hardworking Americans, not socialism. It's the weirdest thing. Country gets rich. Oh, let's try socialism. How did you get rich? Not socialism. Just a little common sense here. Exactly. Yeah. And I do have to close things out, but uh, I do appreciate you both uh, coming on. I appreciate the folks earlier. Uh, we had a little bit of a rough start at the beginning, uh, but uh, I think uh, we ended things well. Looking forward to the next week. And as this week proved, from last Wednesday to this Wednesday, a lot can happen in the week. So we'll be talking about something, I'm sure. And I will close out tonight, as I do every night. And that's with both, uh, hopefully, the song by Aubrey Bashburn. I do thank everyone again. And we will talk uh, next week, some of us here on the line. I'm sure we'll talk sooner. Uh, Take care and good night. Mm -hmm.